0: And welcome to triangle squared i'm your host brett beck and alongside me not as always uh, actually it's his first and potentially only time uh, uh-huh. being in the who knows <laughs> if you like these we may do more uh but i'm joined today by someone that i am joined by every week in our midweek matinee podcast that we do every week go check it out uh but i'm joined by mr chris Figgs. how you doing buddy
1: i'm good man how are you um I like that I've already been not invited back to Triangle Square. <laughs> <laughs> it happens so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm just fucking <laughs> what did you? I
0: say, man? I didn't even get a chance to talk. Yeah, it's exactly right. You looked at me funny. <laughs> So if you are not privy to this yet, if you're listening to this on YouTube, which I may not put it on there, I'm probably going to just for posterity's sake, because we normally do, uh, but this is actually happening over a Discord chat, so any weird delays in audio that may happen here and there, I am going to try and edit those out, but on the off chance that something comes across odd, this is the do- doing the best we can to uh, do something here. Uh, considering that Saul has opted out of playing the game for now so Chris and I were talking behind the scenes about it a lot and it kind of became a thing where we internally were like you know what it would be interesting to do an episode together for this Mm -hmm. we kind of had a discussion beforehand actually because of uh, I think we we both had different parts leaked for us different severity so I think it kind of started back then and potential feelings and expectations that come from seeing leaks led us down the rabbit hole of saying you know it'd be really interesting to talk about it when we've both fully experienced the game absolutely so i guess from there just so you know of course this is a spoiler cast if you've not played and beaten the last of us 2 i advise that you do not listen you turn it off and come back around if you are still interested once you've beaten the game to hear our thoughts i know that chris and i clearly have some differing thoughts as anybody should so we're going to dive deep into those. Make sure that you go play the game first and then come back in. Or if you're one of those crazy people that just wants to hear people talk about something that you have no <laughs> clue about, uh, then stick along for the ride. But let's go ahead and get this thing going, Chris. Yeah, let's rock it out. I think the best way to kind of just naturally start sure. with the show because of us being you know, back and forth in the early days, I think I know where you stand on this. Mm-hmm. But just as a starting point, and then we kind of whittle down why we feel the way we do. Uh, how do you just feel about the game as an entire product, as an entire experience, not necessarily broken down into parts, but more so a full package where at the mm-hmm. end of it, you have a reflection and you can kind of say, this is what I think.
1: So I'm glad we're getting this out of the way first because I think I'm going to shit on a lot of this game. But <laughs> this is going to sound very nebulous, but I would probably put The Last of Us 2 in my top like 25 games of all time.
0: Interesting. Mm-hmm. That That is a, a very odd thing to follow to say i'm about (laughs) to shit all on this game but also i'll put it in my top 25
1: well if i can if i can expand on it a little bit it's because it's the best gameplay i've ever experienced in a third person video game okay that's All the right. thing it's the most fun i've had playing a game like that
0: i'm very now that i know because i know that you're interested in it but i think you're holding off for ps5 of course sony's double dipping back to back kind of i'm very interested to see how you feel about ghost of tsushima and its gameplay since it also kind of exists in a third person realm though they're clearly different yeah but that's that's interesting so it's a top 25 almost purely from a gameplay perspective
1: um yeah, there's some story stuff that I really like, but the stuff that I don't like outweighed it. That's the problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. And I, I mean, I get the basic standpoint of a game being a whole package and I have played games that I've really loved <clears throat> and then I kind of look back and think on it and I'm like, well the story itself tries to be interesting and sometimes succeeds. Yeah. Sometimes fails. Not necessarily this game no for me but just kind of in the, out there in general but you look back and be like but something about the way the world was crafted or the way the gameplay mechanics interact with each other it's just somehow the experience excels above what you could have ever expected uh, i'm actually kind of experiencing that now in a very odd way with the forest oh yeah i find it very odd that it has a story for a survival game that's more than just like a more than just a setup as to why you're there like mm-hmm. there's an actual goal and real plot that it kind of unfolds in a very uh Abstract way, I guess I would say. You know, okay. very little is through actual cutscenes. Almost everything is just in game, picking up stuff and learning stuff. And that's really cool. So, in a game like The Last of Us 2, that's very different than that, mm. that's so cutscene driven and so driven by characters mm. and the emotions and actual performances, whereas a game like <laughs> The Forest does not do that. Uh, it, it is interesting how games can hit you in very different ways. Uh, and I'm really loving The Forest in a way that completely surprised me whereas i think for me kind of transitioning to how i feel about this game i really love it mm-hmm. and i was really surprised I, was, I, I shouldn't say surprised because of the fact that i was leaked i w- had this like sense of a um, just nervousness about playing the game yeah. because it was like it's so hard to go into a game that you've had leaked and then <laughs> sadly um when I did see the leak, as soon as I said that I'd seen the leak, I went and told Saul just so I could, so he'd know. And Saul immediately, and I mean <laughs> immediately, is like, oh, you know this? And you might as well say it out loud because this is a spoiler cast. Yeah. So for me, what ended up happening uh-huh. is I was watching the uh, state of play deep dive for gameplay. And I clicked it, watched it because I didn't get to watch it in real time. Uh, so I came back later to it, clicked it. And didn't realize that I didn't click the official PlayStation one, which I went back and saw that the comments were disabled. Smart. Which would have helped me a ton. Because the problem I had is that the resolution that my computer is set to, when you're on YouTube and you naturally click a video and watch it, you can see the first comment. Yep. And the very first comment is, Abby kills Joel. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And I was like, okay. Great. And that didn't bother me a whole lot. I was like, it sucks that I know who did it. Yeah. By name, because it's clearly going to hurt us, sp- you know, any kind of spoiler stuff, even for the beginning of the game. You know, that's I'd say the intro to the game is what two hours kind of. Yeah, about Maybe. that. Yeah. So, you know, it really took away from my impact of seeing this girl who I know is Abby. Yep. And seeing Joel run into her and not immediately I you know, if I would have been playing the game with no pretenses I would have been able to exist in that realm of like, okay, yeah, cool. Joel's a stand-up guy these days. You know, He's done some stuff in his past, but all right, cool. He's going to help her, and of course it makes sense because they're all in a situation where they really need each other. So great, that's cool. But immediately I was like, oh, when does she do it? Yeah, yep. Like immediately. I couldn't. Mm-hmm. It really bummed me out. So the problem is that I w- went to Saul. I said, Saul, uh, I got spoiled, thankfully a pretty small part, Then the other side of that was there's a rumor that Abby is transgendered. That's like all (laughs) I really knew. And they say it's a leak. So people are acting like they've seen something that proved it, which clearly, as we know now, is false. Yeah. So immediately, Saul's response was, oh, yeah, I can't believe she's the daughter of the doctor. And that's just a bad reason (laughs) for him to go kill her. What the hell,
1: Saul? Yeah, I didn't know that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. And it ruined because, like, you know, I think – uh without spending too much time on it before we just naturally get there it really i still loved the flashbacks yeah but i knew what the flashbacks were building to and again it's just a, a sense of wonder about the game was taken away from me yeah, it lost. whereas i still think the performances were great within those and i do think that watching the performances and the game and all that in real time still worked for mm-hmm. me but it's just knowing that i didn't have that that experience so um so what did you have leaked for you? I guess we can go ahead and kind of get the the general leak. And actually from there, I think the best way to kind of start about the the, the first topic of full discussion may just be controversy. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> because the leaks are clearly controversial. Well, go ahead.
1: Um, yeah, I got spoiled literally on everything. <laughs> everything? Every single spoiler that was out there, I read it.
0: Oh, okay. So you mean the first batch of initial big spoilers?
1: Yeah. So I knew okay. that Abby was trans. I knew that joel died by abby with a golf club you know i knew all of that stuff which we should clarify even even
0: if abby wasn't trans i was about
1: to say we should clarify abby is not trans (laughs) she's just ripped but yeah so just
0: to shout in on that real quick i really loved that they made a choice to show that she wasn't always that big like you when you see her as a younger teenager those older flashbacks she looks normal it's like clearly Mm -hmm. this is the result of how she's decided to adapt now that her father's gone i thought that was really cool and
1: they did have that line i don't remember when exactly it was it was definitely in one of the flashbacks i think with owen where she's talking about oh i just you know hit this pr on my lift you know
0: like that was that was
1: pretty that was good but i'm one of these crazy people like where when i watched game of thrones for the first time I would be like, oh, I really like this Rob Stark guy. What happens to him? You know? <laughs> and I would just I would just Wikipedia it. Oh, man. I don't know why I do For that. For you
0: to be able to have a sense of wonderment, it almost has to be something that doesn't exist in another medium that it's clearly being pulled from.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, and part of this is, I guess I, I have to mention this on every podcast I'm on, but I I write. So, like, to me, the whole thing is, like, the journey is more important than the spoiler. You know, like... Yeah, yeah abby kills joel doesn't mean anything unless i see what happens before
0: i think you're completely right and to that i think that that's the weird thing about reading a script for something Mm -hmm. i don't think that it gives uh, so one of the things that i've heard a few people say and actually Saul mentioned earlier and i don't know that i necessarily agree he said that reading a script is like reading a book and i don't agree with that at all no i don't agree with that at all (laughs) scripts are mostly dialogue with interstitials essentially describing the way in which someone might be saying something if it's very important to the scene right uh and maybe a little bit of stuff like just setting it up like uh she enters a dark room and i actually don't even know because i didn't go back and look at them i don't know if video game sport uh, if video game scripts would do- be like that you know what i mean mm-hmm. a lot of the time what that's important for is when you're trying to sell the script to somebody you're yeah. giving that information as just a way to be like, "Hey, we're just trying to give you a basic idea of the setting, like you know she comes out on a cliff with a raging storm outside because it's it's important to what happens next
1: you know exactly well, it's like in so, a book you have to you can't just say she's in a forest, you have to describe the trees and the grass and the smells because you need to be able to imagine it where A script, to me, is all of the dialogue and where the people are standing. Um, So that doesn't really track to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I guess to me it's just a script is clearly meant to be written as a tool for someone to take that and fuel their performance. Right, Uh, yeah. And the reason that you know that is because if a script was like a book, then then it wouldn't matter. The performance wouldn't be anything to do with it because it's always going to read the exact same because it's, I guess I should say it's going to read different in the eyes of every every person right. but i think what happens is if you read the book once and you read it again the chances of it hitting you drastically different are pretty much impossibly low uh whereas the chance of a perf- the ability for a performance to come and take th- something that you read on paper and then completely change the way you feel about it or the way it hits you is powerful i mean it it really is and books are powerful in their own way But it just goes to show the differences, I think, right there immediately between a book and a script. Mm -hmm. A script is always intended to have a performance following it. Exactly. A book is not.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, we got in the weeds on that one. But uh, (laughs) a little bit. Yeah. So where do you want to go immediately? Do you want to?
0: I think starting with controversy, now that I know that you also got everything (laughs) spoiled
1: for you, the leaks are clearly a controversy. I agree.
0: And I think we'd be remiss to talk about the game and not talk about the way that the game, not the game, rather, the developers and Sony handled the leaks, yeah. how gamers themselves handled the leaks, how people who aren't even gamers essentially kind of handled the leaks, <laughs> or I should say people who aren't necessarily gamers. On the, You know, there are people that clearly had reasons to want to hate on this to go spread it you know if, if you're somebody who's a crazy xbox fanboy and you hate the facts the last of us constantly gets thrown in your face as a reason as to why playstation's better not saying that it is it's just clearly people exist within that realm then you'd have reason to read something that you think may not be great and then spread it around and in, in, in a negative light to try right. and give that uh attachment to everyone else um So there's that, and I think the way that Naughty Dog handled it, as well as the way that Sony eventually handled it, uh, that added to the controversy. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming you know most of what I'm
1: kind of talking about. Like Sony and Naughty Dog DMCA-ing everyone and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everyone handled it poorly. Literally everybody, including me. I mean, I never went out and spoiled it like an asshole for other people, but I definitely talked a lot of shit about that game without playing it. But it was just it was one of those things where you see a lot of people be like, oh, gamers are toxic and you want to roll your eyes. And then this all happens and you realize gamers are kind of toxic. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And of course, the toxicity kind of followed post-release. Because right. as the game kind of reached a fever pitch of doing incredibly well in its first three days. So no surprise to anybody. All the toxicity did not help make the game perform worse clearly <laughs> maybe a little but not demonstrably um but with that said the controversy continued not only from all the dmca stuff but also all of the harassments of vo- voice actors and characters and mm. uh writers and just it, it's crazy <laughs> <coughs> but i think the first thing to kind of focus on is just the leaks themselves yeah so i think the first time the things got leaked I don't know if I'd consider a agenda against the game, but it clearly seemed like the fact that it got leaked to begin with was someone wanting something negative to happen to this game. And I think leak culture is getting really bad in current time because I don't know if you remember, but any time that a series is like really loved, really beloved, and it comes back in a way that may be lesser than what you thought it tends to have a, uh, a high chance of getting leaked and being criticized. And another recent example of a very big, high-profile series, even way more high-profile than The Last of Us, is Star Wars Episode Nine being mm. completely uh, spoiled before it came out as well. See, I was
1: going to mention Game of Thrones. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I, I find that to be a really weird thing, and something I really don't like about the current gaming culture, because not only does it, the leak just go out and goes out with the intention of doing something negative toward the game it's also that for some reason people can't read a leak out of their own interest and not everybody clearly but there are people out there who will read a leak decide they don't like it and then just go out and blast that information everywhere right i think social media does a lot toward leak i think the fact that people don't think that spoilers and leaks and all of that can't happen after a game comes out to an extent I think is really poor one of the go-to examples I think is God of War because this is not a God of War spoiler cast I'm not going to say what it is <laughs> but there's a very pivotal pivotal moment in that game that people were sharing screenshots which gave it away oh, yeah. uh, within the first week and I kept thinking to myself if I wouldn't and this is kind of how you get FOMO right mm-hmm. if I wouldn't have played that game day one and experienced that without any chance for Twitter to have ruined it or Facebook to have ruined it That scene would not have hit me nearly as hard. It was very emotional and very cool, and I like that. And that's exactly what was stripped from me for The Last of Us because of people's inability to – They just. it's like before the game comes out, they still just want everybody to know why they don't like something, which is stupid anyway. (laughs) Because they're talking about why they don't like something that they've not even experienced.
1: Yeah, uh, that was one of the reasons why I ended up picking it up because i read the leaks and wasn't gonna pick it up but then i found myself engaging in conversations about the last of us on like facebook or whatever it is and not actually really being able to justify my opinion <laughs> and you know i took the responsible route and i was like fine i'll i'll go you know buy a copy of the last of us and play it and it- kind of a put your
0: money where your mouth is because now that you have money on the line if you love it, it's interesting because it's like a big shift of how you felt about the game exactly uh, going before going into it. but if you hate it, you at least feel like now you have a reason I'm not going to say you can't complain at all, but there's more reason to have uh, vocal complaints about something <coughs> that you feel like you spent money on that did not live up to the value that the value proposition that you had given it
1: definitely. I think the other big problems with the leaks was there were blatant lies because I think the Abby is trans thing made it so that even if you were discussing the leaks in a negative light, but you like if you were just having a conversation about Joel dying, it was automatically like, oh, well, you're transphobic for not liking the game. And that was the whole... That's still the argument a lot of people make, which, you know, we'll get into this more later, but I think the best character in the game is the transgender character that is in this game. So, (laughs) (laughs) like... I have a lot of problems with The Last of Us, and it is certainly not the transgender character. And I think the leaks, and I think people talking the way they were talking about the game, not having played it, and then that being a central leak was ridiculous. And we had this conversation privately. where We were like, you know, the transgender thing doesn't really make sense, but at the same time, whatever. And then... Yeah, and I,
0: I do want to go a little more into that. That way it's not like a what... Because I I do stand by the fact that I just would have seen it as mildly weird because it's like a a suspension of disbelief issue for me. You know, we're we're clearly 20-plus years now. I think we said this is four years after The Last of Us. The Mm -hmm. Last of Us took place 20 years after the outbreak day. So we're talking 24, 25 years past outbreak day. And clearly supplies are going to get more and more – you know, some of them are going to go bad. Medical right. things are clearly not being manufactured. So my thing was, it was like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I just find it hard. Like what I kind of worded it as when it was still a leak is like, I hope that if they choose to do it, that they do it within the confines of how hard it would be to do in a post-apocalyptic world. So I would be perfectly fine with a character who, let's say, Abby, and say yeah. that the, you know, the the rumor was that she was a trans. I think this is how you say it, right. If it's a girl who identifies
1: as a male, it's a trans male. Like a trans man, yeah. Yeah, okay, so
0: the the leak was that Abby was a trans man. I said, okay, I guess the only problem I had with that initially was that if it was true, the way they revealed Abby looked like a girl. Don't be wrong, she looked ripped, but she looked like somebody who had it been a trans male who had transitioned, it would make sense they looked that way. But Mm -hmm. in a world where I find it really hard to imagine how someone would be able to transition, definitely like the surgeries. Again, not impossible, just really really hard to imagine someone doing in that sense and having the right medical equipment to do it now of course her father was a doctor so i guess totally possible uh but i was like i would rather them kind of tie in look into the fact that it's trans uh that it's a a post-apocalypse world and do the trans thing to where it's someone who identifies as that but because of the fact that they can't do the surgeries and stuff needed the hormones uh that they would be essentially what we actually got in the game, which is someone who identifies differently Mm -hmm. and just outwardly expresses themselves that by doing things like haircuts or clothes choice, whatever it is that helps them feel comfortable when it's so hard to go the full route that you would normally think of in our modern time in this post-apocalyptic world. I thought that would actually be really interesting if they chose to do. As long as, I mean, there doesn't have to be a reason, but I did think it would be interesting if there were a reason, or at least how that would affect motivations, because that's one of the great things about interesting characters, is how is who they are how does that affect their motivations
1: yeah because the thing for me was like if you're going to have one of your main character be this way and the fact because uh, the way I thought about it when the leaks came out I was like if if I know in a leak you must have done something so on the nose that everyone calling Neil Druckmann woke and an SJW might be right you know because if you if that's a fact in the leak that she's transgender you must have had a fucking scene vividly explaining it right well it goes toward yeah if it's not that I think a good example
0: that I know you're aware of is the often scoffed and like lamented uh, attempt from Marvel to do the uh, snowflake and safe space as part of their new thing (laughs) where it's 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 too on the nose so it almost feels like you're doing it in a mocking sense or if nothing else you're doing in a sense to try and look inclusive instead of just naturally being inclusive right Um, And And that's a, it's a, it's an optics thing, you know, it's exactly, you'll never know the actual intention, but it's easy for someone to view it as, were you only doing this to try and score points one way or the other?
1: Mm -hmm. And that's why like the Lev stuff is perfect. I don't know another word to say it, but they handle it so well where like, if you played that game and weren't paying attention to some of the dialogue of the scars calling her Lily you'd mm-hmm. have no idea that she was transgender because she doesn't even talk about it. She was like, do you want to know why they were calling Ab- uh, me Lily? And Abby was like, do you want to tell me? And she says no, and then you'd never hear about it again. I don't even think she gets called Lily again. So, mm-hmm. like, it yeah. wasn't in your face. It was, There was no, oh, Neil Druckmann is so woke and he's killing the last of us with wokeness. It was like, bro, if you can't handle this little bit of little bit of like dialogue from people you're about to shoot in the face calm down you know it wasn't that big a deal
0: see i and i'm sure from an inclusive nature and this is something that i really do think about it sometimes and not that i necessarily know how it affects things but you do have that thing where it's like I am the one who's most often represented in games. I don't really think about it ever. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, I play as females all the time and don't have a care in the world. They can be any color, any ethnicity. I don't care. I just want good, interesting characters. I'm actually somebody who I really dislike games that let you make your own character in the sense of you can make them anything. Because the problem I have with that is while it's great for somebody to make it feel like they're playing a version of themselves in the game... I want characters that have things about them and who their character is and physical traits that you can tie back into interesting story things. Like, you know, to me, I always think of Kratos, and I am going to spoil God of War original. This is very light. But uh. Kratos is ghostly white because he has the ashes of his dead family essentially permanently bonded to his body as a Mm. reminder of what he's done and you can't do that kind of stuff when you let somebody create a character because now you gotta go well you can make your character pitch black you can make them pink purple red but now you take away all the things that i can do to actually give you interesting and compelling story so for me all i want is for something to come across naturally and give me an interesting character and i agree with you the left stuff was handled so perfectly because you're right it actually kind of got me i was playing and i heard them say Lily. And I don't even know why. I guess my brain was just like, oh, that must be like some kind of seraphite thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't think about it. And then as soon as it was revealed, I was like, oh, that's awesome. I was like, it was a very mm-hmm. natural in the moment. There wasn't like they weren't taking full cutscenes. They let it happen in a way that was just really natural. Right. And even the way they went about confirming it was not trying to put a uh, focus on it in a way that felt um, belittling or demeaning or trying too hard to give it something it was, just felt like so natural when it was kind of like oh she's a girl who didn't feel right and I love that the game even brushes against that with Abby constantly mentioning you seem like you're not one to follow the rules mm-hmm. you get all these little nuggets of like oh yeah yeah I see it yeah and it's, exactly. and it's cool and I, I do agree I thought Lev was such a great character from just everything about him it just it really surprised me i really love that and it surprised me more that i was like oh now i understand where the leaks decided to take the fact that there was a transgender person in the game Mm -hmm. and misapply it to someone to make someone more mad because clearly if you tell somebody that their favorite character dies and they're acting like a over it, what are the chances that if you tell them that they died from a transgender person, they're <laughs> gonna blow up? Because yeah. those type of people are already toxic. You don't think and, that they're gonna blow up more about the fact of who it was and why?
1: Right, exactly. And I, I almost thought it was kind of interesting. And I, I don't mean any. I hope this doesn't get taken the wrong way, but like, if Abby was trans, it would borderline be terrible representation of trans people, dude. Like. <laughs> the the tra- the one trans person in your game kills your beloved main character <laughs> oh yeah see this you is know? something
0: this is something i've been seeing some of recently where you you ride a line between feeling like you're being inclusive but being inclusive in a way that only portrays
1: them negatively right that like if if abby had been trans like it would Borderline be alt right propaganda in a lot of ways, right? Like you know what I mean. I mean, it, well, early, <laughs> early game, right? I think yeah, the, no, of course, the, of course. I just we're,
0: we're eventually going to get into it, but I think the great thing about Abby is that the the way they choose to build this game and the character is you go from hating them and seeing them as only the enemy to eventually mm. learning and humanizing and kind of going, oh, okay, like I understand. I I follow what's going on, and you can understand the the motivations on both sides of this story. Uh, And that's that's something I really commend the game for, even though I think I might have done a little differently.
1: Um, But yeah, I think that's the first bit of contention where I think they completely failed to do that i know that josh also thinks that so
0: (laughs) that just so i'm understanding that josh thinks that what has failed
1: i was just making a joke about the uh josh and the group who's always fucking complaining about abby (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but
0: yeah as far as the controversy i do think that that's kind of the big heart of it the mm. leaks were handled very poorly, and I do think it's not a good optic from Sony, uh, not only from them pulling down videos to the point where I, I legitimately laughed at this. Mm. They they pulled, they got themselves. They copyright yeah. struck themselves <laughs> yeah, because I saw that how crazy they were being. So on Twitter, <laughs> one of the videos got copyright struck. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was really funny.
0: Dude, I it, couldn't stop laughing. When I saw it, I was like, you're kidding me.
1: <laughs> yeah it was one of those things where i completely i can sympathize with both sides i sympathize with sony because i understand wanting to protect your ip and i understand in a lot of ways i think it was more like we don't want people to be spoiled Mm -hmm. but i think when you draw the line is when i i can't cite a specific example but people who were just talking about the leaks and not showing any footage and you pull their videos down, and I think that's when you go too far.
0: Yeah, no, you definitely do.
1: If I want to listen to some dude speculate about the Last of Us two and talk about leaks three weeks before your game comes out, I have every right to do that. You know, as long as he's not using your your stuff.
0: And, and honestly, I, I am not this type of person, but I work with someone who is. Uh, mm. They they don't care at all. They are all about the journey. They will pay. They yeah. will spoil every story related thing.
1: Right, exactly. And then
0: just play it anyway. So yeah, just kind of like that. If I want the personal freedom to be able to listen to someone completely spoil the game and hear their thoughts on it, I should be able to do that. You shouldn't stop that. Now, what you might could do is stop it when people are doing it in a way that people could misclick, you know, click on it thinking it's something else and then be fooled. Yeah. Maybe do something to pull videos that show uh, scenes in the thumbnail. That way Mm -hmm. you can keep... Because it is amazing how often spoilers happen in thumbnails on YouTube oh yeah it's bad the one thing I didn't talk about uh, in the controversy which just came more recently uh, was the report that Sony reached out to a reviewer and essentially was kind of pushing them not necessarily to change their review though I guess that was like the only goal that made sense of them contacting them and telling them that they that the conclusions they reached were not fair that's gross. Yeah. See, and that's a misuse of power.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I get that argument. When I read it, I didn't have a problem with it, and I still kind of don't. Mostly, mostly because like it read to me like someone trying to have a conversation about it who probably shouldn't be having a conversation about it. You know, not like, through official channels. I agree. You know, I, I definitely think there was some grossness about it, but I don't think it was this big like earth shattering thing because everything that i read and i could be completely wrong but everything that i read it sounded like it was a cordial conversation and they were just like hey listen like you did a lot of railing about this but th- this is some stuff we did and we kind of felt this way they shouldn't do that but I, I i personally felt like that was blown up a little bit too far um maybe i'm ag- i will
0: say for me mm-hmm. It's very similar, and I didn't mean to cut you off. It'd I hate internet conversation because it's hard to tell that you're. <laughs> uh, but just to go ahead and finish that up, I would say for me, the reason I view it as gross is because of the fact that it kind of abuses the power shift, the, the power dynamic of the review system, and it leads into the exact thing that I normally try and tell people doesn't happen in that it gives people reasonable doubt that Sony uses its power and really all publishers but just sony in this particular example but it makes people think that all publishers throw their weight around to manipulate reviews to eventually be better because while they may not be able to do anything to help the last of us two review you know unless the person's strong enough to literally go back and re-review it (laughs) uh, which would be amazing that'd be crazy but if nothing else it puts a fear in that reviewer and maybe even that website that in the future they should be nicer toward any given publisher out of fear that that publisher will pull and not let them do reviews anymore. And it, it comes down to money. Of course, if a site says, we're not gonna let you get codes for reviews anymore to a site, if somebody did that, then they can't be competitive because now they can't have, or they can't be as competitive. At least they can't have their review out when everyone else does, which is a big deal yeah. on, on reads. So yeah, I, I view it as gross from just a I think if you want to have somebody say, like, this is my thing, and, like, even if it's somebody who's just personally reaching out and not trying to have anything come of it and just be like, hey, this is how I feel. I'm curious as to why you felt that way Mm -hmm. in more depth than what your review may have did. Sure, I guess, you know, but doing it through official channels is um, not a good look.
1: Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from i guess to me it's more one of those things it's like what happens when that guy wants to review another sony game and sony's like no you ignored the positive changes in the last of us i think i would certainly be more on your side but i'm definitely not going to sit here and argue for sony (laughs) in that situation they shouldn't (laughs) do that
0: yeah okay so from here i think it's go ahead and actually time to start talking about the meat of the game itself uh yes so is there a place where you personally are more enthusiastic about starting
1: honestly i feel like the big conversation that i really want to have is the beginning and abby killing joel because that's my biggest problem with the game that kind of bleeds into the rest (laughs) of it
0: okay I, I, I'm totally going to start there. So I guess the way that we're going to kind of compartment this is that this will be story discussion in general. Yes. Uh, and then we'll kind yeah. of keep things. So we're going to try and talk about story within this. Clearly, a big part of the game is Joel dying. Yeah. It's essentially the action that gets us set in motion for the events of the game. Mm-hmm. So clearly not a, something that's uncommon. Every story has that one thing that the character experiences, that acts as their motivation or their something to push them forward. So, yeah, go ahead, Chris. I am very curious to hear this because I think this is one of the areas that we will have some disagreements on.
1: Mm -hmm. I want to preface what I'm about to say with Neil Druckmann wrote the game. So you don't need to tell me what Neil Druckmann said. Not you specifically, but I've gotten this every time I've had a conversation about the game where it's like, well, Neil Druckmann said, and I'm like, yes, inherently anything Neil Druckmann says is correct. If Neil Druckmann told me that Joel was actually a monkey who in a, in a human suit, I would have to believe him because that is, that is what he says.
0: Yeah. You could think <laughs> it's completely foolish. But-
1: Right. He's, he's the writer. <laughs> he wrote it. You know, you don't get to, I, I completely understand that I don't get to tell Neil Druckmann that he did something wrong. It's his story. Mm-hmm. However, Neil Druckmann screwed this, this story up, <laughs> in my opinion. Because, let the controversy ensue. <laughs> yes. So uh, the big thing, and are we good with spoiling The Last of Us one here? I'm assuming yes because it's genuinely important.
0: I mean absolutely. If you're playing the if if you're listening to a spoiler cast for The Last of Us 2 and you didn't play
1: the first. I mean The Last of Us 2 spoils The Last of Us 1. Right, and The Last of Us 1 is better, so play that. Um, <laughs> but so here's my thing is there's a sp- I mean do play it. Yes. Do play it. It's very good. There's a specific scene in The Last of Us 2 which to me invalidates Joel being ambushed. And it's a scene after they leave Bill's and they're driving. And about 35 minutes before they get ambushed, Joel realizes they're about to get ambushed. That, to me, is the scene that makes... 35 minutes? I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit. But they're coming down the highway, and just by the way the cars are moved around, he's mm-hmm. like, oh, there's some shit that's about to happen. And then guess yeah. what? They get ambushed. So, to me, the fact that Joel and Tommy just both grizzled, arguably criminals... Just walk into this room of armed strangers and give themselves away. I found just utterly ridiculous.
0: Okay, so before we go too much further, yes, I do want you to go ahead and just finish up this particular thought, like what it is that makes you feel like this is wrong. But that I do. I knew this was going to be a big point of discussion because Mm -hmm. what you're saying is uh, is the big heated moment, right? That seems to be about the game is our characters acting as though. People feel they should You're right given what we should know and i definitely have things that i think leans towards the game doing it in a way that i think makes sense but okay. i'm very curious to hear your particular
1: so my particular take honestly is that and maybe this is a tangent we don't need to take right now but this game should have been two games that is my very specific take because the way this game is told you leave me with an hour of not see really seeing joel and and then the last of us one and all that character buildup. so and that's kind of where i pre- where i said like neil Druckmann is right where he said i guess after the game came out that you know joel is you know a, a homebody now and he likes to carve wood and play guitar so he's changed but you didn't show me that so no matter what that doesn't feel right you know does that make sense <laughs>
0: I mean, if you if you are okay with me kind of chiming in there. Of course, go for it. I think what you're saying on its own makes sense in mm-hmm. terms of your basic statement of at least within the point in time that we see the death in the game, they've not done a lot to show you that. Sure. I think what they have done throughout the game, and I think this was very smart of them personally, and this is going to technically move from that, but it is important. That's fine. I think the flashbacks act as a very specific way to show you all the ways that Joel has changed and rounded off his edges as these years have gone by. It doesn't mean he has no edges. Mm -hmm. And I'm not gonna necessarily say exactly what, I didn't know Neil Druckmann had said that actually, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) though I'm not surprised because my stance on it is, yes, but at the point that they show you his death, you've not necessarily seen enough to make you think this. I can assume, knowing the amount of time that's passed, I disagree with you a little bit on Tommy. I know Tommy's done a lot of crazy things, but Tommy for much longer than Joel has been down and and married and trying to start a family and trying to start a town. Sure. And he's more laughing and fun loving, even in the first game. I think every experience you have with Tommy, he's a very different character definitely because of the events of the first game and how they shaped Joel and how 20 years of living that lifestyle shaped Joel. But, uh, from that's, that's essentially my thing there. I do think that the game does go to show you over and over and over again. All the ways that Joel, now that he has this daughter figure back in his life, which I think when you look at The Last of Us 1, and I'm really curious to see if you picked this up on your own or if you felt this way on your mm-hmm. own or whatever. A lot of series do this. Star Wars does it. I mean, plenty of movies and plenty of games even will do this. They'll mirror elements either exactly... Are in a way that's kind of opposites of things that happen in other games as kind of a tie in, because it's like you, ex- it's not that you expect it, but subconsciously, it's like it makes something feel more like it. So to me, the fact that the motivating moment for our story and everything that's going to happen is Joel's death and where it happens in the game and how it happens, I think makes a ton of sense. Because mm-hmm. it mirrors back to Sarah and Joel in the first game so in the first game we play as Sarah sure for a little bit Mm -hmm. and then immediately we take control of Joel as we run through and are taking care of Sarah until ultimately her death happens which is what sets the events of The Last of Us 1 into place it's what makes Joel have this feeling of great loss and not wanting to get close to people even though we still see him carry mementos around like his broken watch and that he always keeps on Uh, he keeps himself closed off he's He just doesn't want to have anything with anybody because he feels like everything he really had and wanted had been taken from him. But then we see how the intervention of Ellie, despite him reluctant, you know, he plays the role of the reluctant hero, a common cliche, but, Mm you know, a good one. And then we see how that adventure takes Joel. And even by the end of the first game, besides the actual penultimate action, which is justifiable. Or I, I, yeah, I'll say that. It's justifiable. It doesn't mean it was the right thing but you can understand when put in his shoes as to why you do it. And you, even though you know it's the wrong thing to do, you cheer it on anyway. It's kind of the great thing about the end of The Last of Us one. But when you have that, that, you know, that acts as, so in the, in the second game, doing the same thing, what do you do? You literally start the game playing as Joel. Sure. After a little bit, you switch over to who you're actually going to be playing as, uh, as a majority of this game. Right. So you go through and do that. And then, interestingly enough, because of the fact that there are two playable characters in this game for longer segments than just a Joel bit, you play as Abby. Sure. So we're doing the same basic thing. We're setting it up where in the opening, you're going to play as both the characters, but the one who's going to die, you play as first, setting the mood. And I think the same thing happens. You know, I, th- I think we view a very similar thing where the death that ultimately Joel suffered and his daughter. Mm-hmm. and then the regaining of a daughter figure that he got in Ellie, I think that the death of his daughter acted as like a hard stop and the the bringing of Ellie back into his life in that daughter role gave him new reasons to go back to being the man that we see him as in the first game. You know what I mean? Beforehand, like before everything happened, we see him and Sarah on the couch doing their thing and we see how that interaction works for them. And I think that it's clear that Joel has the ability to be a fun-loving more carefree and more trusting guy yeah so now that ellie comes back to him he has that and to me i think it makes sense of having four years living with a group of people after living for years beforehand more or less isolated with just tests going back and forth with you sometimes and how and that was a rocky relationship in and of itself so i think four years of having a somewhat normal life and having that daughter figure back in your life I do think I I personally as a human I know that I it would it would smooth all the rough edges I had gained down and I could see when you constantly have traders like the game actually mentions you constantly have traders and people coming through and you're trying to be an example for the world that while you are still careful and whatnot you still help people and he had no reason to distrust her because she helped him even though of course it helped her too so I don't view it as this big betrayal of who Joel is. I, I genuinely don't. So I, I do find it interesting that that seems to be a thing that both you and Saul, Saul having not actually played the game, <laughs> but both of you land there. And I know a few other people who think that, but I also know plenty of people who view it as something that makes sense for who he is and who we continue to see him be through the flashbacks. Mm-hmm.
1: So I guess the, I guess I can't really argue with your points. Cause I think in, in general, you're kind, you're Right. But I think the problem is people are very willing to think that four years is enough to scrape 20 years of experience off. And I don't think it is. I know that Ellie is a paradigm shift. Yeah. But that's 20 years of instinct he's built up of not trusting people, of living in a post-apocalyptic wasteland that he just gives away for random people you know of course there's traitors and of course there's all this stuff but like i have to imagine those people earned trust you know before they were accepted
0: well i argue that abby earned her trust did
1: she though i I do i really i view with what the story did i
0: view one of the closest bonding moments for humans is survival right it's one of the things that pulls people into into trusting each other because it's a it's a event where you know you have to or you're all going to die and the fact that every bit of that seemed right you know it's like well we can't get back to where we are because it's gonna be too long oh well i have a spot to go they get in everyone's being cordial there's no reason for them to feel like anything's up. And I, I view it also, and maybe it is me just being willing, I view it as Joel not having to deal with the consequences of anything
1: he's done for four years. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't argue anything you're saying. That's the thing, is that <laughs> you're not wrong and you're borderline selling me on it. But the thing is, like, I still, when I think about it, I don't like it. And maybe that's just a problem with me and my feeling on the game. Mm-hmm. But I still,
0: I still think that you. I guess I will kind of argue for you. <laughs> While right, I think that the game did a good enough, I'd even say a great job at showing me the mm-hmm. why Joel would be different. Definitely with the ultimate cutscene at the end, where you have that last moment where Joel, where Ellie kind of thinks back to her last interaction with Joel. Yeah, I think that what you might argue is that for you. The game could have been structured in a way that allowed you to see all these things before killing him. Yes, so that the, the so that the moment of the death felt more. Mm-hmm. So at, that at the moment of death, you felt more willing to accept it. Yeah. See, the death itself is well, it really it wasn't shocking for me. No. And, and if I'm being honest, anybody going into this game who did not think that Joel was going to die, insane person. Pulled <laughs> themselves so hard. Yeah. Also. I'm going to throw it out there. Anybody who thinks Joel is the good guy in The Last of Us 1 is a maniac.
1: Oh, we could argue about that.
0: No, Now, listen. The reason I say this is within the ultimate story of what's happening, Sure. Joel is a monster.
1: I don't agree with you.
0: For the moment that matters. Now, do I agree with what he did? No. Do I sympathize with what he did? Absolutely. If I was in his shoes, would I do it? I genuinely don't know so that's what makes him so compelling he is not the good guy but i wouldn't necessarily say he's evil See, but he's selfish he's I, not a good guy and what he did he had to pay nothing for he had, he nothing payback wise had ever happened to him yet and i think yeah. in his mind you know the point of killing everyone the the penultimate scene of the last of us one um not the, not the final final, but you know, when he's with Marlene in the garage yeah, and she goes, just let me go. And he goes, you'll just come after her. Yeah. He uh, clearly thought that he did everything he needed to not have that follow him. And I liked that this game, not only in itself in the story that it tells, mm, but the, mm. even that beginning part, I view it as a story that's all about the consequences of actions. And that's what the whole game ultimately is about. Joel getting his up, you know, his come up for his actions. Ellie continuously paying prices for her actions. Abby paying prices for her actions, and seeing how eventually you have to stop. And we saw Joel stop, but even though you stop, doesn't mean those things can't come back to get you.
1: Yeah, you know. So I don't know if we want to rehash the Last of Us one too much, but I at this point I vehemently disagree that Joel was the bad guy. I think that I think that the Fireflies are. All right, let's let's put it this way. I think the fireflies are significantly worse, and I think this game reinforces the fact that the fireflies were worse. Because while they were making a cure, they drugged and were ready to murder a fourteen year old girl without her consent and without telling the person that he that was her father figure. That to me is a worse sin.
0: Well, Father Figure is weird, right? Because Marlene was the one she was left in charge of. So Marlene's yeah. the one who ultimately makes the decision about whether it happens or not, right?
1: Sure, but Marlene didn't want it to happen. But she she
0: reluctantly agreed because she knew it was for the betterment of mankind and the survival of everyone. It's a great moral dilemma, right? Yeah. it's. I think that some of my favorite games ever do a really great job of giving you a moral dilemma of where you understand both sides. And it's a very gray area because it isn't black and white you can say well either everybody dies, or everybody still has to continue living in this thing or ellie dies and the you know you have that gray spot right in the middle of like well why does ellie have to die when everyone else can just if she doesn't die then she just has to survive just like everyone else does mm-hmm. and it's a really interesting thing to put you through because kind of makes you have to sit and think and even in the first game, you know, when they're saying they're going to do it, I'm like, I really don't want it to happen, but I understand that it's the right thing to do.
1: Yeah, I think my my issue comes with the fact that Ellie was never spoken to.
0: I, I will agree with that, and I, I that's one thing that does give me just a little bit of hang up on this story is that Ellie didn't know. Right now, I don't know why that was you know that choice was made, but regardless, it is at least hinted at the fact that ellie would have told them to go ahead and do it
1: yeah but i also wonder if that's survivor's guilt at that point because she didn't have a choice
0: it could be but even if it is i don't think that necessarily detracts from her ability to have that because i think what you see in her is a lot of you know the the journey had to be for something and that Mm. she was willing to die if it meant that everything that she had gone through and everything that happened was going to mean something but yeah. since it couldn't, she had to learn to cope with that. You know what I mean?
1: No, for sure.
0: And I think she had survivor's guilt in the opposite way throughout the story. As you see the flashbacks where, you know, Joel's still trying to tell her that there were other people and how she's never seen any of them. And, you know.
1: Yeah. I guess it just all comes back to the fact that no one spoke to Ellie for me. Because that the fact that no one spoke to Ellie makes Joel's actions inherently... In my opinion, inherently good. Because he's basically saving someone from being murdered. Whereas if we had found out in this game that before Ellie was put under, the doctor and Marlene had a conversation with her, then you sell me on Joel being the bad guy.
0: Again, I'm not saying that he's necessarily evil, but he's clearly not the good guy in the situation, and it would make sense. I I mean, and again, I know you argue that he kind of could be. I just think that he's he's clearly not the white knight in shining armor because it's such a morally gray choice and i think that him choosing to kill so many people and kill the only chance for the world to move forward because why kill the doctor you know i mean the, the, if we really want to look into it the doctor was no threat to him nor was marlene neither of them were trying to kill him there's an argument to be made as to why he would kill the people trying to keep him from getting in there yeah but once he's in there no one can do anything to him I mean and no one's even trying to
1: I mean I'm, I'm gonna make a really shitty argument because I don't necessarily <laughs> believe it but the doctor did grab a scalpel and was well, like of course. I'm gonna somebody
0: came in with a gun and you didn't even necessarily know why I would do the same exact thing I'm
1: not disagreeing with you uh, I'm just saying <laughs> he did what he did <laughs> he take a weapon but it I don't know none of us the point but I do think that a very telling scene is that the doctor, would not say that he would kill Abby if she was if she was uh, immune. Yeah,
0: and I I actually really love that scene yeah. because of that because it kind of makes you beforehand you're thinking like how good this, he's like man this is a good dude. Yeah, I don't know who it is, but this is a good dude. <laughs> yeah, like the zebra um, shit. <laughs> but you know, I like that the story tries not to be cut and dry in any given way. Yeah. And I knew that was going to be a moment because something about how you said it, and I was like I just. I, I personally, I do think that there's some ways that this game could have chosen to alter the way it structured itself while still having essentially all the same content mm-hmm. in a way that may have been able to sell the experience and everything needed to make the experience work better for a larger group of people. I think it's so, the best way I'd kind of word it. I think the other, and I'm curious as to where you stand on this, I think uh, the other thing that comes as a big detraction from people is how they handled splitting up gameplay between the two characters yeah i think the way that they did it was fine but i am curious where you rest on this did you like the fact that they gave you essentially not half but essentially three days of seattle with ellie and then immediately three days of seattle
1: with no uh, No. abby i thought that was the single worst choice they made in that game and it was more because of when it happens oh Um, okay okay because it happens at arguably the climax one of the climaxes of ellie's story and then you start an entire new game basically and i want to go back to ellie's story if it had been seattle day one seattle day one seattle day two seattle day two seattle day three seattle day three That would have worked way better for me. So that's actually
0: exactly what I was going to say. While I like what they did, and my argument towards what they did, and and I bet that this is really what they were... Again, I don't know, but I would imagine that this is probably what the writing room was thinking when making this decision, is that by not doing that to where you spend one day as Ellie and then immediately follow the same day, but with Abby and maybe not even tell me, it'd be really interesting if you didn't even tell me what day it was. You just say you're playing as Ellie Mm -hmm. and then suddenly without saying Seattle day one again or anything, you just play as Abby. And that way there's kind of an idea. uh, There's kind of not a a for sure idea of what's happening around what that way there's a little bit more mystery to it. I I think I would have liked that as well, but I think that one of the downsides to doing it that way and one of the upsides to doing it the way that they chose to do is that by letting you play through all those days as Ellie and get to spend more and more time thinking about Joel's death and who caused it and all the group of people as you hunt each one of them down. And even that great scene where the girl kind of gives you a second in the hospital i can't
1: remember her name nora i think you're talking about
0: nora yeah when she is going through and kind of giving you that little moment where she's like do you still uh, do you hear his screams Mm -hmm. and you think she's about to kind of be remorseful for what they did but then she immediately turns it into a like because i do and he deserved every fucking bit of it or whatever it was yeah it it gives you the motivation to get to that scene with abby and want her dead because you you don't the problem with doing what we talked about and letting all the events still rest the same they, way they are is that by the time that you reach there, I think that you would have grown to like Abby, or at least most people would have grown to like Abby at least enough to not be fueled by the fu- the pure hatred that the beginning of the game gives you, and I'm really. That goes back to why I was so upset about the spoilers with Saul. Because if I wouldn't have known that she was the, daughter's, uh, the daughter of the Doctor, and I wouldn't have known what her motivations were, mm-hmm. I would have been much more fueled with yeah. the same hate that the game shows Ellie expressing. Because then you're confused. You're not exactly sure why Yeah, I guess he did it. And you don't get to follow that, you know?
1: I guess the thing for me, and maybe it's just the way I consume media, is I don't need to feel the same way as Ellie. No, you know? no, no,
0: you don't. Because I... But in this situation, I think that that's what they were going for.
1: Yeah, I guess. Can I... I don't know. Because I, I... My argument is that this should have been two games. And I think, you know... Can I pitch that to you for a second and see how you feel? Yeah, go ahead. So my thing...
0: Because you mentioned it to, at the beginning, I'm really curious as to how you would have chosen to change these things up. Because I imagine in years there'd be more game,
1: right? I mean, in terms of more setup. Yes, but not, not even necessarily. Um so for me i think what would have been incredibly interesting is if this game came out and it was the last of us part two not not this game but the last of Us part two came out and it was the world of the last of us and you start off with the wlf and you're going through their story and you're going through abby's story and you're doing missions for the wlf but you're also looking for this person and then in the middle of the game you find out oh his name is Joel and then the game ends and you kill Joel and then you have this next game and then if you want to do Ellie's revenge story and you want to keep telling some of Abby's story you can do flashbacks of her doing the Seattle day 1, Seattle day 2 Seattle day 3 which I don't necessarily think you needed to do if you could tell that entire story or even if let me rephrase it the middle of the first game I'm talking about with Abby is Joel's death and then you get Seattle day one day two day three and then game three is all of the flashbacks with Ellie leading up to the middle of that game with Joel's death and then you get Seattle day one Seattle day two Seattle day three that to me that sets up Abby in a way where I feel bad for her that that ending could have come off as just a gut punch and then all of the characters that i spend the entire time killing as ellie i give a shit about because the problem with the way they structured the last of us two is by the time i saw and had any connection with owen or nora or manny i had already killed them so there was nothing for me to connect to like oh owen's a good guy good guy too bad i shoot him you know there was no like i want there was nothing in me that wanted to see these people's stories Whereas if you sell me on these people and you show me that Joel killed her father and her whole game is her finding Joel and then he finds Joel and then she goes on her mini The Last of Us which is that's what her story is is a retelling of the first game pretty much and then the third game is me going for her with Ellie I'm significantly more conflicted. I'm like am I okay with this? Because I think the game wants to portray Ellie as a villain by the end of it in a lot of ways. And I think they also want to do the same thing with Abby, but they also want you to feel for Abby. And I just don't think it's successful because they didn't structure it in a way that makes me have any care for Abby.
0: Okay. So I think the things that made it work for me somehow didn't click with you. Sure. And not saying that you're wrong for that. I definitely don't want it to sound that way. But to kind of give you my take on your on your two-game structure, mm. I think the problem I have with that personally, right? I guess the first thing to kind of hone in on, right, is your idea of give you the game from the point of view of Abby first. Right. I have a really hard time seeing that working out for me. And the reason I say that and the reason I think why it works in the game that we did get is that by playing as Ellie mm-hmm. and going through almost up to that very end segment, even though I knew why... I still had because I didn't get to see it I didn't know everything right I didn't know every little bit I didn't know all these things that lead to uh, really i did I mean I knew why Abby had done the first killing right of, of Joel yeah, and you know it's like it sucks, but I understand why you would be driven to do something like that uh, but then when everything else starts going on, as you're going through and you're seeing Ellie hating these people, I really wish I wouldn't have known that thing because. I, I could see, and, I, and I'm seeing it in my buddy who I let borrow the game as soon as I got done with it, who's playing it a lot slower because he just had a kid. Um, <laughs> but I'm talking to him as he's doing stuff and just without reacting to anything, just kind of getting his standpoint of where he feels about everything. And a lot of it is the excitement and the drive that I wish I would have been able to have to the same degree. Of, And, of course, for you, I think part of what tells me where you're at in this is that you don't feel like you need to feel like Ellie. And I don't think that games should have to make you feel like the character. Mm -hmm. But I do like it sometimes. People try to make a story and try to give you the information that would fuel you to feel something very similar to what the character's feeling. So it's easy as a character knowing that what we love is Joel and Ellie. I think it's a very smart and compelling way to go. What we're going to do is we're going to give you very little reason as to why we killed Joel up front and then let that confusion and that hate and that loss drive you into doing something that no rational person would realistically do Mm -hmm. because you've been driven past the point of rationality. So when you see that going on and you spend these days killing these characters, I think what's, I think what the game's trying to do and what I think that even if you did break this up into two games that you'd want to do would be to shift yours to where the first game is all from Ellie's point of view and you can have it to where you spend the first half of the game still doing the flashback, spending the time whatever and then seeing joel die and then going through and, tra- and and going towards trying to kill abby now there's a couple of scenes you'd have to omit so that you wouldn't ruin the next game yeah but then i think what you do from there is that the next game becomes the role of abby and you do play up to the moments where you have to kill joel as abby that would be really interesting because yeah. you knowing you love joel would be really hard to want to make that. But if you spend the time kind of explaining Abby's backstory and knowing why you'll do the thing of reluctantly doing it because you know, in some part of you, you feel like it's something that Abby wanted, even if she didn't, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird thing, but it's a good thing to kind of have you do because it's the kind of thing that would make you hesitate to do it. Yeah. But you'd be like, I've got to do it to move this story forward and see what happens, but I don't necessarily want to do it. And I think what happens in that sense is that you start to feel remorse for all the things that you did as Ellie. I think you feel remorse for killing Nora. Not necessarily Nora, because Nora's a little weird. I think the fact that she was like, he, the fact that she became so antagonistic, yeah. I understand why her thing happened the way it yeah, did. Yeah, it was almost cartoonish. But like, <laughs> yeah, but Owen and Mel and their situation and all of the sexual tension going on in of course the previous relationship between Owen and Abby, all of these things that you get to see kind of afterwards... I think what is so great about it in the game that we got, and I think it could—I do agree that maybe it could be even better split across two games, and and the craziest cliffhanger ever, you know, where you're like you don't understand everything that happened, but it was still good, Mm -hmm. but then you go back and give that context, right? So I think the way by giving the context to Abby is that you still, you still hate Abby for most of the game where you play as Ellie, but you get to eventually see that Abby looks like she's trying to do something different as you're tracking her down. You're not exactly sure what she's doing. Uh, And then in the second game when you go to play, the only thing I'm a little confused about is the literal very end of the game. I don't know how that would work across two games. You'd have to definitely do some changing to how you structured that out. Maybe the very end of the game would not even be in the first game. It would be in the third
1: game. That's what I was going to say. I think the first game I'm thinking of would have ended with her getting – thinking that the fireflies were there and then getting captured and that's the end yeah
0: so yeah just let that go yeah i like the idea of and there's another game that does it that i really love near yeah. uh, i like the idea of giving you an enemy in a game and making you not like the enemy or kill them or not even not like them, just not even thinking about it just killing them and that's actually what near does is that you just you are told they're the enemy they're 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 shown to you as if they were the enemy. So you just blindly go, they're the enemy and I'm going to kill them. And then whenever you get that new piece of context that makes you kind of see what they really are and regret the actions you've already taken. I like that. And that's why I think that it was really interesting to put Ellie first, have her kill these people and then give these people reason as to why Like, why they aren't just monsters and give them character and texture and reasons to be like, oh, man, I kind of regret those actions.
1: Yeah, my thing, mostly the reason I would want to put Abby first, and maybe this is just, you know, the way I think of stories, is think of the entire tenor of the conversation of the ending of The Last of Us, where I think it was a universal that really nobody wanted a sequel. Not necessarily wanted, but they didn't need it. So if you get the sequel and you're like we're focusing on new characters got we're not we're not doing an Ellie and Joel story their story's over but at the midpoint of that game you 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 Abby you're run, you're running from the zombies and then it's Joel saves your life and mm-hmm. then you kill him and then you play the rest of this game that's how it ends it's her getting fucking taken and then okay we're going to go, the next game is Ellie to me I think that just I feel like it's a lot more boilerplate But I think it is more effective for me. You know, I think what they tried to do was subvert a lot of things. They tried too hard... To make me feel for Abby, when they could have made me feel for Abby if they'd done it differently.
0: See, I think they did a great job of making me personally feel for Abby uh-huh. as I was playing for her because she kind of like you know at first you're like I don't really want to play as her and I even like that I don't mean like bad like I was okay with playing her but I was like oh you know I got very comfortable playing with Ellie and of course like you said the moment where they switch you over is like whoa what the fuck, <laughs> uh, but. I even like how that's mirrored in the gameplay, where it's like, not only are you playing as a different character, this character is very different. You get different guns, different gadgets, you get you you don't have the knife that Ellie has so you have to craft shifts, shifts. it's just a very different gameplay experience mm-hmm. while still being rooted in the basic mechanics of the game uh, and I like that I even like that so something as simple as Abby gets the crossbow while Ellie gets a real bow and yeah. like how those things change a different gameplay
1: we don't have to go off on this tangent I just want to say one thing that I find mechanically and lore wise absolutely ridiculous that abby doesn't have a knife (laughs) it doesn't make any sense that abby wouldn't have a knife just logically every human being in a post-apocalypse should at bare minimum have a knife
0: hey man just go to britain they just take all the knives so (laughs) uh, that's why nobody has knives it's just Everybody just died with theirs. It'd be you know, (laughs) but there's not a box full of knives for you to just go pull from. (laughs) No, I I actually completely get what you're saying. That that comes back to the idea of uh, suspension of disbelief. Yeah, in that, why would a soldier, which is like in modern day military, I'm pretty sure soldiers have knives. Yeah, it's just it's like even if it's not for combat, which totally could use it as a last pinch thing. It's like, why would you not have a knife from just a sheer tool perspective? Exactly. If your whole thing is to be a soldier.
1: But yeah, so I apologize <laughs> for the tangent. It just starts to be ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I, I think me and you are just, I think that this is something that I won't say we're diametrically opposed on. I could see how breaking this into two games would work. The only downside being that the weight, if the weight was just as long, which it probably wouldn't be because you know if you if you did it the way you're talking the game gets cut in half suddenly yeah so it would be quicker to develop we probably right. we probably would have gotten part two as we're going to call it uh, in 2018 and maybe we would have gotten this one in 2020 yeah. And and maybe that wouldn't have been too long of a wait. I don't know. I get the sense of, I get the point of the sense of immediacy of having you do and go through all these actions so that you go through this whirlwind of emotions in a smaller period of time, instead of having to wait years to experience that, because there is something about feeling like, sorry for Abby and Lev and all the stuff they've gone through. And when you finally get to the point where Ellie as a character says she doesn't want to do it anymore and lets her go. You as a player, at least to me, and that's a point of contention as well, I personally felt the same way. I was like, she's been through enough and she's clearly a changed person who's not letting this hate rule her. She doesn't deserve this. And I personally was like, even though there's that little part of you that thinks like, yeah, but she still needs to die. I really liked that there's that side of Ellie that's like, control yourself enough and realize... That it doesn't bring Joel back. It doesn't change anything. And maybe all it does is kind of alter the memory of you have of Joel. Because one of the things I loved about the way the game kind of handled things mm-hmm. is if you think about it, she doesn't ever think about Joel in the most recent times that she's seen him. We get flashbacks, though I don't necessarily view them from her perspective. I don't think they're flashbacks that are like dreams of something she's thinking back on so much as it's just a story moving to a location or a different time to give you context about something that's coming up yeah, or something that's around what's happening. So since we're not seeing the Joel through her eyes, the only time that we see her kind of do things is when she's having these panic attacks, right? And these panic attacks are always in relation to Joel, only remembering and being able to view him and see him and picture him at the moment of his death, you know, beaten and bloodied from the golf club. And I like how the game kind of chose to portray at the very end when she goes, that this is the first time we actually see Ellie remember and think back to Joel in his true self, not death, you know, not the deathbed fuel That she's been using this whole time. And she gets to kind of look at that. And I think it's kind of the realization. That the way she's been handling this. Is part and parcel. With why she's been so fueled. Because she refuses to let go. And accept and grieve. And think back of all the positive memories. She has of Joel. Everything that she's letting fuel her. Is only the negative. Of surrounding Joel's death. So I personally thought that was a really great way to end it. And I felt the same as as Ellie did. In that moment of. Even though it's a little bit. What would you call that? Um, I just said the word earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, it's not like there's not a part of her that wants to follow through. Yeah. But she realizes that that doesn't help anything. So she just she she knows that the right thing to do is to let him go. Um, I, I don't know. And I also kind of view it that particular moment, the very end. I kind of view it as too looking in like. I really love, you already said it, the latter part of the game, the Abby part of the game, is essentially The Last of Us Part 1, but with Abby as Joel. And again, mm-hmm. exactly. that goes back to my idea of talking about how the second game does a lot to mirror the first game. And one of my favorite things about that, you know, people kept saying, like, well, we wanted more... Uh, Joel and Ellie we wanted that thing I was like but you, you you, got that but with different characters you literally got the same thing people coming together not fully trusting each other but slowly getting to a point where they trust each other enough to go on and be you know Lev is to Abby what Ellie is to Joel right and I love the thought of having the person who killed Joel take on a role that is very similar that is essentially Joel's role in the first game I just I don't know. I'm not saying it's necessarily the best writing in the world, but I really liked a lot of the things they did. Some of it, yes, was trying to subvert expectation Uh and so much more of it to me was looking at ways to view characters through different lenses and kind of make you play a role of emotions based off of the lens they choose to use at that given time. But once you pull back and look at the, broad view of everything you see that all of those little lenses are somewhat accurate but when you pull them all together you really get full characters and you get full understandings of people and it does something that i think enough not enough games do and giving you humanization of the enemy as it were
1: yeah i guess again it's one of the interesting things it's like i i don't inherently disagree with anything you're saying i just think the problem is it doesn't work for me
0: and that's totally fair. I mean, you know, I mean, you sometimes you just can't handle why something doesn't
1: click for you. Yeah.
0: Or sometimes you can have the opinion that something else would have done it better for you. And I think that that's a completely fair standpoint.
1: I do I I will say that I think a lot of Abby's section is just as good if not better than Ellie's. Like mm-hmm. once they once you start really fighting scars, it it, it goes up so much. But the problem, the big problem with Abby's stuff, right? She's the one that kills Joel, and then they force you to play as her. And the sections you're playing at the beginning of her story are so slow. And deliberately so. But they're Mm -hmm. so slow that not only do you have this hatred for her, it's boring. (laughs) (laughs) And then not to mention you just left like i said before you just left the one of the climaxes of uh, of ellie's story on one of the most intense parts of her story and then i have to go play abby you know playing fetch like that that didn't make sense to me you know in a lot of ways i can understand why you did this if it was a television show maybe that would have worked but i was playing a video game And 15 hours into a video game, I don't want to basically be doing a tutorial again.
0: No, I think that that's fair. And I actually will give some credence to the fact that there were times where I did feel like it was aiming to be written and worked out more like a TV show. Right. And that makes sense because uh, the lead writer on this was was one of the writers from Westworld who is a TV writer. Uh, And I do think that that choice to pull someone in who may be a great writer and may have had some good ideas, but someone who's not as seasoned in the industry. I do think it was a weird choice maybe to make her lead writer. I could see co-writer, but I think that there should have been a lot more. And and I know that they really kind of were co-writers, but still I think that there was a little bit of a thing from Neil to try and have someone else to be able to lean more on and also get a more interesting perspective by getting someone who's not so uh, not as close to the game to come and give a look of what they think might be interesting. And I also think in a good way, I think it worked because I think that there's something to be said about oftentimes I think that a lot of the reasons that people look at portrayals of characters in games as weird is because they're written and they're written by people who are not the, people that they're supposed to be writing like, that they're representing with their words. Yeah. And sometimes it can come off as weird. Cause it's like, I've never heard like sometimes you, you write stuff. that's like, that doesn't sound like something that that person would say or that takes into account the history of this group of people or any of that stuff, you know? Yeah. So maybe a part of it is, is that this is a game with two lead female characters and there's a lot of value in bringing in a female to help write the dialogue and everything for that <sighs> because you are going to make something that could sound more convincing and compelling and i'd argue that both abby and ellie are very believable which to neil Druckmann and bruce straley's credit all the females in the last of us one were also very believable
1: yeah but i also think you know all the females in uncharted 4 were believable and i only cite uncharted 4 because amy hennig wasn't on that one but yeah
0: sure yeah you're talking about something that's purely neil Druckmann and, and bruce straley and I think that might be part of it, right? He he had he wanted to get another rider because Bruce took his sabbatical and then left. Yeah. So maybe he's just really comfortable riding with someone else and not having that entirely on his own shoulders.
1: That's true. But I think the thing is, I guess a couple of things I'll say about it is that he from what I've read, the Last of Us Story was his from before he broke into the industry. And The basic idea. Right. But I think the big problem with bringing someone else in to write your story is it's your story, you know, like I'll cite a book. I don't know if you've ever read The Wheel of Time, but Robert Jordan, who wrote that series, he died and some and Brandon Sanderson came in and finished it. And Brandon Sanderson did an excellent job of emulating Robert Jordan. But it, to me, this this was another writer trying to emulate neil Druckmann badly in my opinion it was like it was trying to tell this this whole subversive story that just doesn't work the last of us one works because of the structure of the fall summer winter spring it just it clicks and
0: again that was a thing where they tried to mirror the first game with giving you seattle day one day two day three Mm -hmm. by you can't quite repeat the season thing because the journey's different yeah but you still are trying to give clear breaks and a title card that kind of acts as a intro into what's happening across this set of period of time.
1: Right. But, but that's why they th- should, th- just
0: an interesting thing. I noticed
1: it should have been told in my, again, in my opinion, it should have been told Abby day one, Ellie day one, Abby day two, Ellie day two, Abby day three, Ellie day three, because, like I said, I cannot connect personally with people I've just murdered in a video game. That is like what you experience with the spoilers. That's you doing that in your story.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get what you're saying and you're not necessarily wrong in the in that aspect, but I would say that my argument for that is that the connection kind of happens as you learn okay. It's kind of like I, I'm trying to think of a great just example, but a weird one, mm. surprisingly. <laughs> and it's not someone who killed someone, but um in the music scene, uh specifically in the emo rap scene, uh. um XXX Tentacion or whatever his name was apparently did not like Lil Peep while Lil Peep was alive. Yeah. Something was going on and they just kind of weren't into each other. Once Lil Peep died and then X started looking at his stuff he started to really like appreciate his work and get into him, and realize that they were kind of similar, and and like regretably learned that they might have been great people to hang out and be a, you know a great relationship and how good of a person they were and how they missed out on that because now they're gone. So I think if you kind of translate to what's happening here is that yeah you are you are acting as the person who is the killer here, but at the same time. I think what's happening is that the story is kind of giving you the the game version of that by switching up the perspective and letting you see these characters in a remorseful way where they're already dead and there's nothing you can do about it. But you're learning that now after they're gone, you kind of like them.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: and not saying that that is the best way to do it, but I think it was effective for me because that's, I felt, I felt regret that, Ellie let hate drive and I mean that's really what the story's trying to do. I let I, I felt regret that Ellie let her hate and then of course me carrying that hate through drive her to killing people who ultimately let her stay alive and even though they were complicit in what happened it's just a thing where it's like well not everything and everyone is bad and maybe killing everyone who is involved and say so, you know it's just it makes the story far more textured for me and all of the realizations that Ellie has as she's going along and as she starts having panic attacks as she realizes she's honestly acting outside of her character out of some sense of justice and also not wanting to accept Joel's death completely and instead being hung up on it it just it worked for me and I, I mean if you have anything else you want to talk about for story I feel like we have a good stance on where each other kind of see the highs and the lows and mm. And I do think that you've made some points. I thought the one that we would probably agree on was the fact that there was a chance for them to change up at least a little bit the writing and facilitate it through not having, having an interweaving timeline where you do have them kind of going. And I do think there's value in that. It would've had to be written completely different and the motivation of how they wanted to do it would've had to be completely different. So I think at that point, it starts to detract from the goal of what they wanted the game to be uh, from a message and experience standpoint. But there's, a, I would be willing to think that there might be a way they could do it even better with a little more time and maybe another game. Yeah,
1: that's my thing. Uh, I will say, though, that I think that Abby was justified. I'm totally fine with her being the one to kill Joel. I just wish oh. they told it better.
0: It's really it early on that was one of saul's disappointments as he thought it was a bad character to bring it into and to me i thought it was the perfect character because honestly i don't know if i would have accepted anybody else killing joel if no. I'm being dead honest <laughs> it had to me to me it had to be somebody who was in relation to the the end of the first game because it's like like i said it's it's the idea that joel is getting a come-up comeuppance for something he's done regardless mm-hmm. of how right or wrong or what it was that inspired the moment. You know, he, he took someone from someone else and now she took him from someone else. Right. And not that it was right, but again, it's one of those things where just like the end of the first game, even though you know it's kind of wrong or you still go through and you're kind of like, huh, like it's not the exact same because I didn't root root for it, but I understood it. Yeah, for sure. So it's like a reluctancy that you, you agree with how it actually ended up even if you wish, it may have not been that way. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's exactly. So,
0: all right. Well, uh, I know that you mentioned gameplay being a big thing for you here. So, since story was something you were a little bit more controversial on, yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on gameplay, and uh, of course, how it came up from the Last of Us One, how it builds on the Last of Us One, and how I think it and how you think, really, how both of us think, it may push itself past what made the the first one so good.
1: Oh well, I think this game is just significantly more polished in a lot of ways you know the stealth really added to it even though i didn't use much stealth
0: the little (laughs) bit that
1: i did use it was a lot of fun yeah i think honestly i think the only thing about the gameplay i don't like was the people calling out names i thought that was ridiculous but other than that i don't i can't think of anything about the stealth i didn't like i i spent a lot of time like planting bombs and just dragging moving people over to the bombs like stuff like that i think the additions of dogs was awesome i think that made it so much more stressful especially how vicious they were like yeah all of that stuff i think was just incredible
0: so the dog thing is really interesting i love the addition of dogs and the addition of a mechanic that Tries to put a little bit more on the line by saying, "Hey, this is AI that pays attention to where you've been and follows you in a way that makes sense to the real world." It's dog; they mm-hmm. know what you smell like; they can follow your smell. Um, I thought that mechanic was great, and is it weird that I'm a little bit with you on the idea of trying to pull names in to where when you kill somebody, they're like Billy? Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, but it's it's weird. I understand when they were saying it, and I know uh, I actually kind of agree with Saul on this. It's something that's hard to describe without sounding like you're doing it to be a little pretentious. Yeah. (laughs) I know that that's weird, but I get it. I understand both sides. I understand thinking, you know what would really make killing people a little bit more brutal? If you gave them names and made people react to their death in a way that feels like they might be losing someone that they know. And how do we identify each other? Names. So if you give someone a name and someone shouts it out whenever they notice that someone's gone... Or when they're looking for them, then you have that moment that it could strike you right. But you're right. 90% of them in this game Mm kind of just made me laugh. Also because it did it way too much.
1: Yeah. I think I might have (laughs) told you the story where there's that scene where you climb up to the train. And you can kind of snipe off it into that broken building. Do you know the scene I'm talking about? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You did tell me. Yeah. So... I would they they all come out of the same door and I just stood not in cover and I just headshot at everyone that was coming out of that door and it was like oh Craig oh no Jeff oh no Eleanor oh no you know until <laughs> until the encounter was over and I was like you cannot be serious The other thing I find really interesting not I may I don't think interesting is the right word because I think it's actually a little ridiculous but there's not a single other person in that game named Ellie named Joel or named Abby <laughs> or named Tommy <laughs> all outside of Joel, all incredibly common names. Nobody else has named that. It, it stri- it I, me Ellie's it's not said. a
0: name I've heard a lot, but I do think Abby and, and Tommy are very common names and nicknames going back to the, the name thing though and the dog thing more specifically, I always felt worse when they'd call the name of a dog out than when I did when when they named a human. Yeah. uh, If I shot a dog and they were like, Scooter? Oh, Scooter! I'm like, oh, damn, I killed Scooter.
1: See, I think the problem with that is that dog names are inherently dumb. So it's kind of funny when you're like, oh, no, they got Comet! What the fuck are you talking about? It sounds dumb.
0: Well, this is part of why... I felt a little bad about it. And this is also, again, remorse after the fact. Yeah. Of course, I love dogs. So already killing them is just like a little bit more like it, – it, that was more visceral to me than killing humans. I don't know yeah. why. I'm being dead honest with you. It's probably something I need to look at to myself. Humans. It's probably desensitized. Yeah. Definitely because I've worked in a hospital. So you kind of just get used to seeing that. But yeah, the game, whenever it lets you go through and play as Abby and you go down and you get Alice and you can play catch with her, Mm -hmm. I played catch with Alice for like 30 minutes. I crap you not. I actually did play that too. I loved it. Yeah. (laughs) So I I think that was another one of those moments where after the fact, I'm like, I killed that dog. (laughs) Yeah. I I just thought, and I was like, I know I killed that dog and look at her. She's so sweet. She's a great dog. She's just doing what she was told to do. Right. I, I was a stranger in her territory. She was just doing her dog thing so yeah but i thought that was interesting i wouldn't the i would have more reactions to shooting a dog and hearing its name than from a human
1: yeah i just i think the problem and i think this comes down to like if you believe this game is about violence or not which i genuinely don't think it is because if it was about violence they would give you a way to get past every encounter without killing someone and you cannot do that Okay, so
0: I view the game to be about violence, but it's about looking at violence head-on and seeing the effect it has on people. So it would actually be counterintuitive to the game, and there are actually a few, uh, a good few parts of the game where you can completely pass the game without killing anybody. Actually, I, I have a couple of really great examples. Uh, one of them being uh, a scene where that you first get introduced to the dogs and you're mm-hmm. in a little alley. You're in like a straight shot of buildings that you can weave in and out of. Uh, you can go all the way to the red door that you have to open in the back yeah. uh, and open it without killing anyone. Yeah, uh, So that's one example. And then another example is when you're playing as Abby. These are just ones that I, I immediately remember because I thought it was crazy that I didn't have to kill anybody and I kind of just was going, I was like, I can't believe I've managed to work around and not get seen and not get shot was when you're playing with Abby and you have Lev with you and you're going through while they're attacking the Seraphite Island. And there's a big stretch of land where the wolves are attacking the Seraphites that are in like a, it looks like maybe like an old McDonald's or something. (laughs) And if you play all your cards, right, you can sneak through that entire thing without ever being seen.
1: Yeah, and you don't I, have to
0: kill anybody so I did like that that was there from just a gameplay freedom standpoint I but I do think most of the game is about facing violence head on and seeing the effect that it has now of course there's a little bit of that dissonance that happens because non-major characters of course are that's why they tried giving them names I think is to try yeah. and find a way to match their death to give, give, make it give you a toll and to some people's credit it worked I've seen a lot of people say that the combat and the name calling and how brutal the combat is all work to kind of make them not want to kill people. Yeah. I didn't have that. I don't know if it's because I've worked in a hospital and I've seen just so, such crazy crap that it, it just doesn't hit me the same way. Mm-hmm. Not sure.
1: I mean, it didn't, none of it bothered me at all. And I don't know if that's because I'm a psychopath or <laughs> if it's just because I guess I like, Especially all the like, oh, The Last of Us 2 is so bleak and dark. And I was like, I don't really think it is. But I had a lot of
0: umbrage with that statement too. People be like, it's just dark to be dark. There is a ton of moments of like n- non, like, there's a ton of moments of normal everyday life without just being bleak.
1: Yeah. We didn't talk about it in the story uh section when we were talking about the story, but the uh, museum scene. Well, there was uh, Joel and Ellie. There was nothing dark about that scene, and that was probably one of the best scenes I've ever experienced in a video game, <laughs> dude. When that, she
0: closes her eyes yes. and puts the headphones in, it's just—it it was sweet. It—it it, it was everything. See, people were like, "We wanted more of Joel and Ellie." I'm like, "You got it. You just got yeah. it through flashbacks, homie." That, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't—I don't know what to tell you. The
1: thing that got me about that scene, and really, is a testament to the developers of the fidelity of that game, is that. Joel has tears in his eyes throughout that whole thing, and like I noticed that, and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, man!
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that scene was fantastic,
1: it's incredible. Going back to gameplay, so right. on the flip side of
0: that, which is kind of mechanics to try and make you pull into that, I feel like the thing about the name thing that gets weird is that it gives you this faux sense, and I know it did me. When I saw them talk about that, I was like, okay, if they're doing that, then they're also going to try and up the AI, right? And AI has been a big discussion about The Last of Us. In the first game, it was about how the AI could recognize that you were out of bullets, but the AI really wasn't that great in the first game. No, it's not. So going into this game, I was like, okay, they're going to really focus on AI in this game. They're going to do a lot better. Uh, that's going to be a big focus because it would make a lot of sense with how far they're moving into trying to push realism. Putting a name in there is part of that. If you're going to tell me that characters can know and look and you've attached names and they can do call-outs and all that, then of course you're going to have it to where the AI is much more sophisticated. Sadly, that is not the case, Uh, (laughs) at least in my experience. For 90% of the game, whenever I wasn't doing stealth or I'd get ruined and just have to fight because... Stealth was blown. The AI was terrible. They would stand in one spot, never move, stay in the one cover spot and keep popping their head out. And I was just so disappointed because I wanted to have more interesting combat segments. And for the most part, unless you actively just ran out and seeked them and like didn't let them move, that was about the only way that you could have just really crazy combat sequences. They're always good. They're always fun and kind of bombastic. But if you let it, the game really quickly shows you that the AI is kind of just normal run-of-the-mill AI.
1: Yeah, I didn't find anything special. And maybe it's because I didn't play it on the harder difficulties. Um, But like I said, I just stood out in the open at one point and just fired my gun and killed them all. So you played on easy, right? Yes.
0: Okay, I played on normal just because I was like, I'm just going to play on normal by Mm -hmm. how the game is you know, roughly intended to be played. I just always do whatever the developers naturally set yeah. it to.
1: See, I, I, I kind of feel like that game is meant to be played on like Grounded or Survival, whatever their hardest difficulty is. I think
0: you're right. I, but I essentially always call whatever the default difficulty is, is the one that they think most people should experience it at or sure. will experience it at. But I think you're right. I think both of the both The Last of Us 1 and The Last of Us 2, if you really want to get into the immersion of a survival, you want a lot less supplies to work with. Right. And, and and a much harder AI. And I really do wonder. I do want to give the game a go again when I finally get it back and see if the AI is better on the harder difficulty. But I was just really disappointed with how not smart <laughs> it was on normal. Yeah, so I've seen plenty of games have better AI uh, and that kind of just bummed me out.
1: Definitely. I think the one last thing I just want to make the point about stealth is like I know that you can get through some scenes without killing people, but I think... It would have been... It, I feel like this should have been a game where there's a gold trophy for not killing a single person. And I hate those games.
0: I hate... I, play, um, I, don't, I don't hate the games. I hate the trophy lists.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I don't. Maybe not a trophy, but I just feel like you should have been able to get through that game without killing a single person. That uh, just, to me, it would have been... I just been don't think it thematically so.
0: fits because if you're going after and seeking these people out and then you find the people that are part of their organization, you're not gonna let that hate stop you there. You're gonna go through and follow through and kill extra people. I I get what you mean, and I think that there are games that play that off perfectly. I think that games that do actually have those options, like the (laughs) Dishonored games, are a perfect example of that. But I just don't think it tonally fits with what this game's going for. You might be right. You're gonna tell me that Ellie
1: doesn't kill anybody except for literally the six people? You might be right. (laughs) <laughs> but I think that her going through and killing—it's it, the narrative dissonance thing that they the problem they have with Uncharted too, well, with Uncharted also, where yeah. you kill so many people and then she just lets the last person go. You know, no, I so. mean you—you're you're definitely right.
0: Video games, by nature of what we expect from them, which is is thrilling compelling combat almost will always have ludonarrative dissonance yes I don't really know how you work around it in most games there are a few games that are much shorter experiences and I tend to call them experiences even though they're games that do manage around it it's normally it's a genre thing if you have a puzzle game you can get around it you know you don't have to do anything like that but the yeah. moment you start trying to pull action in it's very hard I, I do feel like there's a little there's less of it in The Last of Us Mm-hmm. because it's a world where a lot of it can just be shugged off to essentially, and it is literally the same problem as a lot of the Uncharted games, where for some reason you run through and kill millions of people, thousands of people, whatever it is, and then when you get to the final boss, you're like your character is reluctant to kill that person. I think in this game, and even in the first game, it's better because a lot of that dissonance, and actually if we're going to shout out, the first game handles the ludonarrative dissonance perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> but for this game i understand for what it seems were in the world that they're in it does make a lot more sense that a lot of the times you're having to kill people because they will kill you otherwise uncharted technically has that too but it's lighthearted nature and tone make it harder to follow the more gritty tone of the last of us despite having some very nice moments does make it easier for me to believe that you would be having to kill someone because you're doing whatever it takes to survive you know yeah well that's fair but I do think you're right. I mean, there is something to be said about ludonarrative dissonance and how it affects the way you feel about a game. I think most people who play a lot of games can just disconnect from that the way that they need to to let it just structurally make sense in their mind. I don't really know if it's a problem you can fix. And I wonder how much that also comes into play when VR potentially becomes more of a thing. Because the more you feel like it's actually you killing a bunch of people... It's definitely gonna up that feeling of like you know what what I think the last of us was trying to do with the names which is you're gonna feel more like it's you legitimately doing the action yeah I mean I don't know that's gonna be a weird one
1: yeah it will be I don't know it doesn't when I play saints and sinners I'm totally cool stabbing all the zombies so <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah that's true but going back to gameplay one yes. of the things I was a little surprised about I like some of the additions of the of the Infected. I, I like that there's more versions of them. I like the way that they go about kind of introducing them. I actually really thought the introduction of the Shambler was really cool. Uh-huh. The, not only from a scene perspective where you have the just red flare light being the only thing lighting the area, you know?
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: But maybe it's just me. But does it feel like, at least on normal and for you easy difficulty... I don't know how it feels on easy. It felt like while the you could do more with the infected, like being able to make them attack human enemies and whatnot, which was really cool, it felt like the infected felt like less of a threat. Yeah. No, they, they all they felt were. easier to do, and it didn't feel as tense as they did in the first game when you'd run against one. Now, yeah. of course, in the first game, you're playing an older man who's hardened and you know clearly having issues. And in this one, you're playing a young athletic girl. Just saying, it was, it was surprised
1: me. Yeah, I didn't. I think one of the other issues I have with this game is that it's a, it's a a ostensibly a zombie game where they forgot to put zombies in it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't really care about that because I don't love zombies.
0: So just like Days Gone, I really love that they tried to keep the zombies out of the main story as much as possible, which I mean, to be honest, even the walking dead what is the walking dead the walking dead is just a normal drama with zombies only used as fire like fuel to move everything along the real enemies are always the humans
1: yeah but i we could go on a tangent i, I never find these stories particularly believable but no, yeah, they, they really
0: normally aren't
1: because i just i just don't understand why there are obviously bad people in this world but the vast majority of people i feel like would come together regardless yeah, I just I wish that the the clickers were more of a presence because they weren't it was more of a nuisance to deal with them than it was a an engaging fight or a challenge. So, I don't oh. think
0: I feel that strongly about it, but I definitely think there are situations like there are different instances within the game where that feels the case. Yeah. Uh there's a couple like the hotel room scene mm-hmm. with uh with Abby where you're going through and facing a bunch of them that does feel tense in a way that reminded me of the first game. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if I'd go as far as a nuisance, but definitely it just didn't feel the same.
1: Yeah, I guess I'm thinking more of the stalkers, where they just, mm. they, by the mm-hmm. end of the game, they just pissed me off, where I'm like, okay, I've shot you, and now you're, you're hiding behind a bookshelf. Like, just, <laughs> just fight me so I can continue on with this story. You know? (laughs) Yeah, I kind of like their addition. Yeah.
0: But then they felt like they were a little underutilized.
1: Yeah, I could see that.
0: And I think it goes back to the AI. The AI just felt kinda dumb. So it's like you have a really interesting click a very interesting infected, very different than anything we've seen, but then you don't really use it for anything and the AI is kinda just like hit you and then run off like it's i honestly i think that there might be better ai for that kind of thing in the forest for the cannibals Oh, really? mess around and look at them uh and they're honestly more creepy surprisingly but yeah that, that one's a really interesting thing when it comes down to choice of how to in, in, integrate them into here and i know that the game is a lot less about that threat because of the fact that you inherently have it be less threatening because ellie's can't be infected I mean, you know, when you kind of remove that element from the main character, you get parts, and I think that's why it's weird that Abby's parts with them feel more stressful because of the fact that maybe it's just a thing where in your mind you know that they're less of a threat to Ellie, mm-hmm. but with Abby it's like, well, if they break my my face mask, I'm I'm gone, you know?
1: See, I didn't find it any more tense, but that, I think that's more of just like, I didn't have, it wasn't hard, you know? Yeah, no fair.
0: Well, and you're playing on easy.
1: I mean, yeah. that's not. <laughs> I don't a, that's mean not to take mean. it away,
0: but it is hard to judge how the clickers and everything yeah. feel. I don't on mean easy. That, like
1: that's a that's not that's not the game's fault that it was easy, but yeah. it is. But I put it on that difficulty. You know what I'm trying to say. So yeah, it, it just the clickers never felt like they both never. It, I'm sorry, I keep stuttering, but it's neither of them felt difficult or tense with clickers personally. Mm-hmm. I see where you're saying, like, oh, yeah, I guess if I was in Abby's shoes, I would be significantly more worried than Ellie is. But.
0: And that might be what it is. It's kind of projecting, the, I guess, projecting yourself onto the characters so that you feel like you can bounce some of that back. I don't know if it was that for sure or not.
1: Exactly. I get what you're saying.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, one thing I thought was really great about the gameplay de- decisions they had was how they wanted to make different factions feel. Now, of course, all of those lose their luster eventually, but I remember for definitely for when you're playing as Ellie, when you first start kind of running into the Seraphites and you don't really know what's going on, yep. the whistles are honestly more tense and more like interesting. Again, maybe not uneasy. easy. I don't know. But for me, the way that the Seraphites felt on normal mode Going through, it kind of reminded me of the tenseness of the clickers from the first game, where it's like, you're kind of confused to what's going on. You're hearing all these whistles, but you don't know what they mean. People are popping out left and right, kind of stealthily. You didn't even see them. And it just feels like a confusing, mystical, like mystery challenge, where it's like, whoa, what's going on? And before you know it, you're kind of getting messed up. I liked that element, and I liked how the wolves were more like a military function, where they're kind of cracking out and doing things differently. I just thought that that was a great thing. And that also leads into one of my other things that I love about both The Last of Us 1 and The Last of Us 2, which is world building. And and this one, they choose to do it through the factions.
1: Yeah, I think, honestly, the only problem I had with the factions is that you wipe them out (laughs) most (laughs) of the times. Where... I really – when I got to the Rattlers, I was actually really excited because I was like, okay, game three, Abby and Ellie have to go work together to take the Rattlers out. And in- <laughs> instead, that's not what happens. You know, you you kill them. You Basically, you wipe them off the planet.
0: Yeah. You know what's interesting about that scene mm-hmm. is the way that that was actually done. I didn't even realize for, like, the very beginning of it that it wasn't okay and this is i still don't know because i haven't gone back and replayed it but i think it's true so at the end of the game if you look at the credit uh the start screen after you've run credits it looks like it's the boat at the dome building that the people uh on the firefly radio were talking about yes but for me the way i took that moment as it first happened was that the radio and the area were set up as a trap yep. to get people looking for the fireflies to come in. Yep. And that she was actually radioing the people who captured yep.
1: her. I had that same exact take. I never understood why people thought like, Oh, the fireflies were real. It's like, no, that was a well, trap. And then
0: you see the boat <laughs> that they take and then you see them go to that building. But they kept saying the domed building. And I was like, well, don't, isn't that where Abby was being held? Like, didn't that what they said? Like yes. it's the building with the round top. So I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I was curious where you stood on that because I feel like a lot of people are like, isn't it great that they got to the fireflies? I'm like, is that what happened? Yeah. Cause that's that I didn't, I thought that the people who radioed them, I thought that they weren't really fireflies. It was just people who tried to lure people in under the promise of what the fireflies offered so that they could take them as slaves and do what they wanted to
1: with them. Exactly. I the thing is I bet if she just got in there and was like, hello, I'm looking for help. They would have told her the same thing, you know. I don't. I think the fireflies were just convenient because it, it didn't. Mm. Unless I'm m- misremembering the scene, I don't feel like they were. They were like, "Hi, this is the fireflies." I think she was like, "Hi, is this the fireflies?" And the guy was like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm a <laughs> <Who's> firefly." Asking, <laughs> sure, yeah. Abby. Good to see you. You know,
0: yeah. No, I get what you mean there, and. I'm glad it wasn't just me who thought that. Like, don't I'm wrong. I can see it being both ways. I guess it's just the way that the story unfolded. It seemed like it was a trap house. Yeah. Ooh, trap house. <laughs>
1: um,
0: but uh, the, going back to the actual individuals themselves, I like how each one of them just felt like they have their own characteristics. Like, you have the Washington Liberation Front, the Wolves – that seem like they're kind of just trying to be like a militia military that thinks they're doing the good of everything that's going on. Then you have the religious zealots that feel like they're doing the word of someone who's passed. And uh, like the game kind of talks about, a lot of the words of the teacher that they're looking at seem to be being misconstrued um, and warped to how they want it to happen. So you get to see kind of how that's working. Uh, And then you get to see the rattlers who are kind of just like the – you know, the crazy people taking advantage of a situation uh, insofar as leaving people out when they try and run away as an example and putting them out so they can get bit. I just think that I love that kind of stuff. And I love how when you keep going through the world, you can find the notes and letters. And I always look for that stuff because I love seeing the little stories that kind of lead in. And I love that in the first game. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the standout ones in the first game is the story that plays out when you're inside the sewers and you're seeing the schools that they built in the sewers. And you're picking up all these paperwork and you're kind of seeing how it went from being a great thing to slowly just unraveling as everything does in this post-apocalyptic world.
1: Yeah, this is typical. Um, I will (laughs) say the the collectibles were my favorite storytelling in the game.
0: Yeah, Um, indirect storytelling is really fun. And I think that's part of why I mentioned the forest earlier. I think that's what I'm really liking about the forest is it feels like you're giving me a story in a way that I'm able to just perceive myself take what I want to away from it and you're just giving me the information and I'm kind of learning about it on my own accord. You're not sitting me down, stopping the game, showing a cutscene. You're kind of just letting me look around, find stuff and choose if I want to read it or not.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah.
0: See, I figured when w- I look and I thought with you as a writer, mm-hmm. I figured that those kind of things would be like the cool little like, "Oh,
1: yeah, let's see what this is." That was, you know, this is one of the few games where like I I'm not a big codex guy you know i don't i didn't spend my time in the mass effect codex or whatever but this one like i went through the i went through the game with a with a guide i know you don't like that um, doing that but i went through with a guide i collected every collectible and i read every single collectible and every time i could open open the journal i read the journal and i would start a new chapter and be like okay there, there's old entries so i went all the way back and read through her journal like it's one of the few games i did that with and every single time it was worth reading <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's awesome i i i genuinely don't understand following a game definitely a new game with a guide because i feel like the guide inadvertently spoils some stuff because they have to give referential parts of like after you kill this person look to your left
1: <laughs> well see that was the thing where power I, I follow the power picks guide and he was actually really good about like not doing that where it was like it, it got a little complicated because it would be like oh on the third door on the left there's two stairs that you have to climb under but it was ne- i never felt like oh after the hospital scene with nora mm-hmm. you know so but <laughs> yeah. it was also one of those things where i had gotten spoiled so i was like well, what the fuck do i or sorry what do i care um if i if i use a guide you know it I doesn't matter
0: i mean yeah good point Uh, One thing I forgot to mention during mechanics that I just thought was really cool, Mm. uh, though also it bothers me equally in a completely different direction, (laughs) is attention to detail, which I guess we can kind of lean that into graphics, art design, and just general attention to detail and what that kind of does for the game. Did you notice that you could unlock all the safes by just listening for the clicks?
1: I didn't notice, but I did hear that that was a thing. So that's really cool. uh,
0: I realized about four safes in, I was going to type the number in, and every time I type it in, I'd hear the, like, the, I was like that oh, wait, that sounds slightly different than the other ones. And then I just found, a, the next safe I found, I didn't look for the code at all. I mm. just went up to it, and I started going. And then I heard click, I was like, oh, and that was the next number, kept going, click, went over. And I was like, oh, that's really cool, that's a great attention to detail. But then, equally, it pissed me off, because I was like, these are combination locks, right? Yeah. And it bummed me out that they have the attention to detail to show you that these can be opened just like in real life with enough time and effort by just listening for the clicks. Mm-hmm. But they didn't feel the ne- the need to make it to where you have to go right, spin back, go left, pass the number, hit it again, go all the way back right. Yep. Like a real combination. I lock thought unlocked. about
1: that too, actually.
0: But I know that's so weird, but I was really mad that that's not how you unlocked it because I was like, even Sly Cooper. Which I guess Sly Cooper's older, so it mattered more when combination locks were still being used more often. But like even Sly Cooper goes through the effort of when you go to unlock the stuff, he goes left, right, and then left. I was like, it's just, it's part of it. It's like I like. I, I bet a lot of people probably are going to learn from this game that safes can be unlocked by listening to them if they didn't already realize that, you know. And that's cool. <laughs> what people are not going to learn, which would have been kind of interesting for younger kids who are going to be inevitably playing this game. Is how combination locks work. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I know it technically kind of dates the game, but in a cool way. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Another attention to detail thing that just really blew my mind, and I really hate this in most games. That's why I thought it was funny this game had the solution, mm-hmm. even though it makes no sense that every door would be this way, okay. though clearly every door is. Uh, when uh, I hate in games and you go to a door. Yeah. And you open it one direction, and then when you decide you want to go back through it, it just pushes through the other direction. Yeah. But there's a handle. It's like, that's not how doors work, guys. (laughs) But most games, they just do it. But there's only one set of hinges. So it should be impossible to go against the hinges. Right. In this game, I can't remember what they're actually called. But there are hinges that you can get that open both ways. And that means that there's hinge sets on both sides. So that when you go to push one way, it leans against that hinge, opens. And then when you go to go the other way, it leans against it. I went through a door, went back through it after I was killed some enemies and I was just looking and I decided to look and I was going to go tell my wife cause she was looking. I was going to be like, Hey, I hate that games do this. And then when I went to look, I was like, Oh, wait a minute. This has the hinge. <laughs> <laughs> and I started looking at every door and I was like,
1: every door has a reversible hinge. Like, I was like that's cool. That's a really good way to get around that. Like really <laughs> easy to mess up issue.
0: Yeah. Cause like realistically I know who the hell would care. Clearly I do. And I felt like I was tailored to with this game, with that little inclusion. Like, yes, a thing I hate about so many games. Yeah, I mean,
1: Neil did it for you.
0: (laughs) I know that most people probably are not this way. I love, absolutely love it. When a game makes you go through a door by actually opening it up. It slows you down. Definitely stealth games where, like, you've got to open the door and make yourself potentially more visible by them seeing you opening the door. But shit like that's just like, oh, yeah, there we go.
1: There we go. Yeah, there's definitely levels to it, though. Like, Red Dead 2 took it way too far.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to say you're wrong. Sometimes that level of realism is nice, but then sometimes it just feels like, all right, now you're just kind of being slow to be slow.
1: Yeah, it was... (laughs) And we're talking about a different game, but it was always one of those things where it's like, Oh, I just spent five minutes opening this drawer for a quarter of a bag of chewing tobacco. That's great. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh man, uh but other than that, you already talked about it mm-hmm. kind of a little bit with the graphics, man. Uh Clearly, uh, with everything going on right now, you know we're recording this after the showcase for the Xbox Series X, <laughs> and one of the big things going on right now is people using screenshots of The Last of Us Two, a finished and very polished game, yeah. um, to compare against what is obviously because the game's not out an early build of uh, Halo Infinite. Um, regardless of all that, shout out to just. Genuinely, how stupid good this game looks! Oh, incredible! And I think you'll probably agree. While the game does look incredible, definitely the uh, cutscene. You know, you, anytime it goes to cutscenes, it swaps out to a higher res model. Yes, which is great. You want that in motion? The game still looks good in terms of like just graphical fidelity and like textures and whatnot. It still looks really good. But I think the thing about the the game is that realistically. I think half of the reason it really looks as good as it does is because of the animation. I've talked about this in some of the movies that we do where like good animation is kind of what sells something is feeling like it's in the uncanny valley or not. And that's why I love mocap. But mocap does not normally account for things like normal traversal movement. But this game is so fluid every step of the way, not only in big cutscenes, but even just in moment-to-moment combat where you're sliding over the roof of a car or jumping over something. It all feels like you're actually watching someone do these motions because of all of their in-between animations, and it's
1: gorgeous. It is. The animation is really good, and I'm glad they set it in Seattle so they had an excuse to make it rain all the time (laughs) because the Mm -hmm. rain looked really, really good yeah no I, I love sometimes when games
0: choose to just be like we're gonna rain a lot i know it sounds weird but one of my favorite things about need for speed 2015 uh-huh. was that it, it was always dark and it was often raining and that game looks the absolute best to me when you're just riding the road and all the lights are just bouncing <laughs> off the water i'm just like oh this looks sick and the same <laughs> thing happens here everything kind of just looks like you have all the bounce sliding happening off of different water and it just feels I don't, it's weird, but I guess when games put you in situations that don't really happen all the time, but they really just nail it, it somehow makes you feel way more at home. Like it's like, this is real. This just feels excessively real right now. I agree with that. But yeah, also, of course, the art design is just fantastic for the game. Mm-hmm. And that goes into that, which it's weird. I think that there's plenty of g- games this generation that's so that show um, that you can do a mixture of realism, but with a way that still feels distinct. And I do think this game has that. I do think that despite the fact that this game is often going for photorealism, it's still doing it through a filter of trying to give you something about the way it wants the world to look through its eyes. I think you see a lot of that in the way it chooses to portray colors. Definitely, for de- And I think the first game had a lot of that, too. Mm-hmm. but. Very, very beautiful game, and I i mean, you know, games are most important about how they play, and that's why, I, you know, I think graphics is probably the last thing to talk about, but clearly it doesn't hurt that this game is a damn looker.
1: It is, yeah. It's just, that was one of the things I think that carried me through when I was getting bored was just how awesome it looked. It's like, I'm just going to keep doing <laughs> this. This is sick. Yeah,
0: I mean... I think that the animation they used is apparently like a, a derivative or a, a kind of evolution, maybe it was a better word to use, of uh, something that Ubisoft started with the For Honor engine. Yeah. Or the For Honor, you know, the, for, to be able to use for all their complicated different stances and how they wanted animations to look. This took that and took it to the next level. Mm-hmm. I really hope that this is something we see more games digging into next gen because, While it's not necessary, one of the things I love about animation is that you don't have to use that style of, you don't have to use this this exact animation style only in photorealistic games. I think if you take games like Sea of Thieves or games that are hyper stylized, but give them this kind of animation, it will sell them in a way that makes them still, that makes them feel real. Because one of the things about Sea of Thieves that's really interesting is it looks fantastic. But the moment you start seeing the way the things are animated it kind of reminds you it's like oh this is kind of stilted looking like this is a game right and this is not really a real world but if you can make something look as though it were moving and that's why if you look at a lot of animated movies they typically look at something that doesn't actually exist and thinks What's something that we will use as a reference or multiple things that we will use as a reference so we can pull those together and give you animations that are replicated of something you're used to seeing, even if you're not quite sure what it is. That way it feels natural and real. And you can do that in games. You could clearly bring in and say, well, skeleton is clearly just a human. So give them normal human like animations, maybe a little more you know, a little different because they're not going to have muscles. So the way that things are pulling are different, but you can t- inspire it off of that. And you can kind of just keep pushing that boundary. So I hope more games really pull into that. I agree. Uh, is there anything else about graphics art design? No, that kind of I think I'm pretty good. I
1: think you said everything I needed to say. It's just a go- It's just a truly gorgeous game. All
0: right. Is there anything that we have not talked about that you feel like we need to get off our chests?
1: No, personally, I think, I think we've said everything we needed to say. Honestly, I think the only thing I would say is just like, Abby's not that bad, calm down. Like <laughs> That's really it. So I guess
0: the best way to round the conversation off then is, I, I think we've kind of got our answer mm-hmm. as we've continued to talk about it. But since we are in the unique position of having been spoiled, you more so than me yes. for the most part, do you feel like, because when I say you more so than me, I really mean the fact that, The leaks had more of a negative impact on you, I feel like. I feel like going into it, you really thought already that there were things that you wouldn't like. Whereas for me, I went into it with a pretty open mind, even knowing the things that I did know. So for you, did playing the game change the way that you felt about it after the leak and seeing all the stuff? And do you think for people that saw the leaks, is it important, in your opinion, that they go ahead and play the game before letting their opinions become completely crystallized?
1: Uh yeah, absolutely. I think I think no matter what you're inherently worse off not playing the game. You know, I I think the leaks are going to sour you on I think the leaks are going to sour you on The Last of Us 1 if you don't play The Last of Us 2. And then Oh, yeah, okay. Well, cuz it, it's one of those things where it taints, you know, it tastes that first game a little bit if you don't play it, because it did for me. I was like, oh, this, I kind of don't want to play the first one anymore. But I just think I think looking at those leaks and not playing the game would just be a very bad decision. I'm not even saying you'll like the game after it or you'll think any differently of the leaks, but it would just be a bad choice. You just need to know what happens.
0: So for you, you say that the, the reading the leaks of the second spoiled or soured the first game for you. A little bit, yeah. Do you feel like playing the second one has removed that sour taste, or do you still feel similar?
1: I mean, yes, I I think it, it did a little bit. But my problem is, I still think that there's stuff in the first one that makes the stuff that happens with Joel a little dumb. So it kind of makes the first feel less important. I guess maybe I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if I'm that's making Fair. if that makes sense. But
0: no, I mean I get what you're saying. Is that you feel like it's somewhat. I don't know if I'd say that it tramples on the legacy of the first game so much as it tramples on the way that you feel about the character's legacy from the first game. Yes, exactly. And their interactions. And I know that's a big point of contention. And I knew going into it that that was probably going to be one of the biggest detractor points. Because I heard you say different things throughout playing the game. Mm -hmm. Little snide comments. A lot of the times I knew that you were just kind of being snide like saying still a better revenge tale than the last of us (laughs) two even though i'm pretty sure at that time you were barely into the last of us (laughs) two uh to that regard i'm glad that to to me i think there's a lot of value in looking at it playing it having your opinions still knowing what your opinions are maybe they changed some maybe they didn't change as much as you would have hoped but i think there's value about playing the game and there's a lot of value about talking between people who feel very different because I think the, the, the question that I seem to get often for mm. a lot of people, from a lot of people, is uh people who've both finished it and people who are actively playing it and haven't finished it, or people who are interested in playing it but haven't started it, is whether I like the first or the second game better. Yeah. It's a hard question to answer because it's kind of a loaded question. They're very different games and they're very they're trying to do very different things. But if I really had to just gun to my head answer, it's still really hard because The Last of Us 2 is so fresh and then I've played The Last of Us 1 so many times and it's just kind of like an iconic thing in my brain now. Uh, But you know, as much as I love this game and I genuinely do love this game, I think it's fantastic. And I personally think anybody who liked The Last of Us 1 should play it. Even if you're a bit iffy on it, I really think playing it will change that opinion enough to make you feel like it was worth playing. That's kind of where I stand. But for now, if I had to answer the question, I'll be honest. I do think I like the first one better, but it goes towards something I've talked about with other mediums in that there's something about a new IP that gets everything right the first time that is so hard to hit again because you can never really capture that lightning in a bottle right a second time the same way doesn't mean that you can't have a fantastic game doesn't mean you can't have a fantastic gameplay setup a fantastic story it doesn't mean you can't surprise me but what it means is that the exact surprise that happened of an unknown quantity suddenly becoming a fantastically known quantity uh, just from experiencing it it's really hard to match and like you said I went out of the first game feeling like I never needed a sequel. But I think that the best way for me to kind of cap off the second game is that the second game proved to me that there is a way that a sequel could be done without ruining the first game. Yeah. That's how I personally feel about it. And before that, I was in a kind of agreement. Like, the fact that they're making a 2 without doing new characters is bold. Because if they said The Last of Us 2 but it was entirely new characters... I'd be fine you know I mean initially and clearly I was excited when they announced Last of Us 2 but I was a little bit more apprehensive on whether or not it would feel like it was worth it and I think after playing it it was definitely worth
1: it I agree I think I just I think it would be like I said it would be a bad choice to not play it I think they justified it's existence for sure you know Mm.
0: All right, man well hey thank you for joining me course it was appreciate fun. it and uh maybe maybe this is kind of what we'll start doing because i think it's, it's it's a little harder for saul and i to get together definitely because of the different type of work he does and his schedule yeah uh, as opposed to mine so maybe what we'll kind of start doing is whenever me and you both pick up a game uh, if people like this and give good feedback maybe me and you will kind of start taking over the spoiler cast yeah whenever saul just can't
1: yeah i'm down uh, uh yeah i'm putting out a call for all of triangle square to make Brett, play Persona 5 so that we can have a six-hour conversation about a 150-hour RPG.
0: <laughs> Persona 5 Royal, yes, just to Persona be more specific. Royal.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm probably going to go back and play Persona 5 after this and get that platinum, too. So I don't blame you. It's so good. All right.
0: Well, good, man. Appreciate you. Uh, everybody, if you want to see what Figs is up to, uh, you can find him on Twitter, but I'm going to let you. Kn- I'm gonna let him tell you all the things about where you can find him if he cares. Uh, yes. Otherwise, you can always find him with me most weeks on midweek matinee every wednesday
1: but go ahead uh yeah my twitter is at figs 21k f-i-g-z the letter number two one and k so what's up with that anyway because that's also your psn <laughs> so i'm trying trying to understand so the, the, the choice when i was a couple of years ago i thought i was going to be a really big rapper and my <laughs> name was 21k okay. because my lucky number is 21 Okay. Um, And my, I had to change my PSN. So I just did Figs. (laughs) Hey,
0: that's cool, man. Yeah. People ask me sometimes, they're like, what's with the 086? Because you know mine's Chimera 086. And I'll just tell them, it's like, there's nothing special about it. (laughs) I was a kid. And this is a funny story. Mm. It's a good way to end this. <laughs> when I was a kid, and I was first getting an email, we could we didn't even have a computer. Yeah, but I was getting an email, and uh, or we had just gotten a computer actually. It was very old. It yeah. was a Windows Me. Oh wow! Uh, we, yeah, so we're on it, and my mom's like, "Well, we need to make you an email," and I'm like, "Okay." And of course, I'm like ten, maybe, yeah, yeah. and I re- got really into skating, like skateboarding. Yeah, and so I was like, "All right." Um, I want to do Skateboy, (laughs) (laughs) S-K-8-B-O-Y. And, of course, that had been taken. Of course. So then I run into the problem of coming late to the Internet uh, at any given service and running into the problem of, well, if you want to be able to use something that you wanted, now you just got to slap random numbers after it. So they 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 had the little suggested thing where it's mm. like well we suggest you use this they suggested 086 at the end of it and i was like yeah it's good <laughs> and now i've just kept it with
1: everything moving forward followed you it's funny because yeah. i saw that the first time and i was like that's weird because it's very close to the area code of where i live so the zip. <laughs> i was like what the hell
0: a lot of people are like were you born in 86 i'm yeah. like no not at all <laughs> i'm like i'm sure people see my name and are like look at this old boomer bastard
1: <laughs> old man <laughs>
0: uh, not to say that if you're in your 30s that you're old i'm just saying that clearly i think people see that and think i'm much older than i am and it's yes. always funny to me but all right chris thank you man for so much for joining us i'm gonna get this edited Thanks and put up me. uh if you guys at home are listening to this and like this let me know I'd love to invite Chris back on and talk about some other games. Maybe we can even do a do a thing where we don't necessarily do a spoiler cast. I guess it would be, but it'd be interesting maybe to even do it for older games that we both find ourselves going back to. So oh, I'm uh, something that. may come of that. You just let us know what you think is good or bad about that. And also give Figs a shout out on Twitter for joining me. Uh, I'll make sure to tag him in there. Oh, but until next time, you of course will see me with Saul on our normal Monday show. So we'll see you. Triangle Square. Thanks. Thanks to our patrons Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean sanderud Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popes, Kevin Bacon Bits, Joshua Lago, Shadowist, Steven Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanland, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Jason Clendenning, and of course Tyler B. If you would like to become a patron, head over to Patreon.com/NarTech and consider giving as little as a dollar per month to help directly support the show, as well as get some other cool stuff like your name shouted out at the end of the content. Thank you.